Hey, y'all, as you can see, I'm back in studio. Uh, great trip uh, this past weekend to Sarasota for a memorial service. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, and then move on into the uh, news items of the day, particularly, and Superdon's great like this. I saw the first article. It's all about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. running for president. And I had an article I wanted to send him on that too. So yeah, we're on the same page as usual. And then we're going to talk about business. I know you turn it, tune in this primarily for health, but what about the health of your business? Think about the economy. It's tanking. There's there's uh, recessions and depressions. It's like, you know what? Even in the midst of those things, there are things you could do to do okay and do fine. Do great, in fact. And we've got Chrissy Chin that's going to lead a master class. Not today on the show. We're going to preview it, let you know, but for free, how you can plug into that. We want you to take advantage of that. Also, a returning friend of ours, Scott Shara. His first interview was here some, well, a couple of years now has it been? With his daughter, Grace, Grace Shara. He, he was recently on the Glenn Beck program and interviewed about the suit against the, uh, the hospital in Appleton, Wisconsin. What's going on with that? What's the latest? The DNRs on people who can't read or have uh, any kind of uh, undesirable traits. It's like as if the Third Reich became the Fourth Reich and it's operating in hospitals in the United States of America. We got that and a whole lot more on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Check it out. Look for you in the chat rooms robertscottbell.com slash listen or the various places that we haven't been banned and we'll uh, get this healing party started right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Yes, we're back. It's happening. It's cold again. I got back. It was sprinkling. I'm looking up at the, the mountains and there's more snow. It's supposed to melt. Somebody, I don't know, send the memo to, is it Mother Nature? Who is it that you send that memo to? Hello, springtime, please, again. <laughs> I did get a dose of it, though, uh, this weekend in Sarasota, Florida, with my friends from Natural Immunogenics. God bless that family. Uh, they lost their mother recently. Uh, I was able to to go there and uh, conduct the memorial service, officiate it, and I'm just honored to do so. Um, I love their parents just as my own, uh, very much part of the family. And of course, for those of you who've been part of the Robert Scott Bell Show for years, you know how important the sovereign silver, the sovereign copper, the Argentin 23, and all the gel, everything that we do uh, is to our health. My children have, uh, this is, yeah, here's uh, Nicola Ruth, uh, Juliet Quinto, who had passed away some six months or so after her husband. And uh, that often happened, sometimes sooner than that, but they had lived a life well into their 80s, were extraordinary. Started Eden Hope out in the island of Vanuatu, the islands of Vanuatu, the middle of nowhere. Can you imagine? You're in your 70s. You've lived a long life, an amazing life, and you decide, you know what? I want to go off into the bush and start a, a, a regenerative type community that there's no violence, you know, that they're, they're all vegetarians and, uh, they live off the land. It's, it's an amazing thing what they've done and it's still there. Eden, Eden hope, uh, I think.org, you can check it out. Uh, so there's more going on there, but, uh, it was a reunion of the family, uh, seven or so months since, uh, their father passed away, Stephen Quinto. And it was just, a it was a delight. Yes, there was emotions, there was a sadness, but there was a lot of joy, a lot of celebration, a lot of amazing honoring of, uh, of those who have gone before us and the things they have seen, the things they have done, and the legacy that they leave. And you think about 
you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things legacy wise I can think of in my life, right? When I, uh, studied with my mentor in, in, in homeopathic medicine, you know, I thought, well, I'll, I'll always be working with that guy forever. Right. And then life throws you a curveball, or, you know, basically you fulfill your mission in a sense in a master apprentice relationship and you're booted unceremoniously out the door, not realizing what's going on, except that now you've got the gifts you've needed for that next phase and you got to get on, you got to move on. And not often do we realize that and often we'll cling to what we become accustomed to or comfortable with. And isn't that like life? We become accustomed to things that even are not good for us. Call it the adaptation principle, adaptation for survival. It's not survival of the fittest, it's survival of the most adaptational. And I was chronically ill for the first 24 years of my life. The first 19 was when it was really intense and I gave up on modern medicine at the age of 19 because I realized that it was going to put me in the grave probably by my 40s, having been ill for the first 19 at that point. But I didn't know of another way. But I was uncomfortable enough to begin to look for something else once I recognized that modern medicine was not the way, not the path for me. And five years later, that's when I encountered a homeopathic master. Talk about a teacher. When the student is ready, the the teacher or the master appears, the neophyte, the acolyte, student, the chila, whatever you say. And in life, again, that's it. When you're ready, that sincerity of the open heart, the questioning is like, I really want to learn something new. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Anybody ever said that? I was. Many people who were as sick or sicker than me, even 40 years plus later, are still not ready to make a change for what I perceive is the better in my own life because they're more comfortable in their suffering in their discomfort. It's become comfortable, their discomfort that to step into the unknown is more uncomfortable, at least in perception until the pain becomes worse. And then maybe you're ready to change before it ends at least this lifetime. And I, you know, I, I, I say this about the, the, the quinto patriarch and maker matriarch of natural immunogenics because they had lived their whole life one way. And, uh, Ruth said, you know what, we got to do better to save her husband's life who would have pa passed away decades earlier, if not for her to live and long enough to establish a technological breakthrough that became known as sovereign silver that we are all benefiting by those of you who have tapped into it since that time in 1999, when it first came to market. And it's a big reason why my kids have been able to be raised without any antibiotics, not one. Not once in 24 years for my son, 23 now, oh, don't, don't race to 24 <laughs> and almost 18 for my daughter. Have I ever had to resort to an antibiotic for them? And of course they've never been vaccinated. Now, whether I had learned about natural immunogenics and their, their silver hydrosol product, now copper hydrosol, uh, I still probably wouldn't have resorted to antibiotics, but there might've been, there might've been one case where it was borderline with my son. And I've told this story where he had a cuticle infection. And it was starting to, the striations were starting to go up. And my wife and I were looking at going, is this the time where we're going to have to resort to it? And we just kept pounding it with the silver hydrosol internally in his, in, in his body and then externally as well. And it knocked that thing right back out. And so, yes, even in an extreme circumstance, if you know how to work with it, you can minimize, perhaps even eliminate as I have thus far, uh, the need to resort to a chemotherapy drug for an infectious imbalance. All right, uh, this is the opening. This is how it goes with me. I start on one topic and end up maybe on 10 others. 
it's a little different than your doctor who gives you one drug and you end up on 10 others because of the side effects. I like to think that I, what I do is to provide side benefits. Super Don might have something else to say about that. Super D, I'm back in the studio. How's my, how's my brother? How's your thumb? You had you know, nearly chopped it off with your uh, food slicer, right? It's coming back. Is it is. It's, yeah. it's improving. It, it took a minute, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't it's, wait to show the, doing all right. the, the brutal, bloody pictures you sent me. And, and, so, yeah, and I, I got nothing on the thumb now. I'm, I'm letting it get into the air because I think that's important. Yeah. Um, so and you but I, I won't, sh- I won't show you the other side of the thumb because not yet, not yet. <clears throat> I want everybody small to children see. might run screaming out of the room or something. I so. might. It's gross. I'll faint. Yeah. Be like a fainting goat. You ever seen the fainting goats? I have. It's like yes. me on my, my good days. I yes. look at your thumb and I go, ah, help me, Super Don. Goats are cool. You got yes, fainting right. goats. I like the screaming goats too. Oh my gosh. Those, those. <laughs> but the, the yoga goats. Yeah, you don't want the yoga, yoga goats to be screamers because then it's like you can't concentrate on the, you know, the relaxation part. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yes, the thumb with you, Super D, it was the silver as well through the recovery process. And I can't wait to show everybody. Maybe another few days I want I want them to see like that totality and the time frame it took because a lot of people would run to the emergency room, get a $1,000 bill, and they might put a couple of stitches in it, send you with an antibacterial ointment that's toxic, right. and you didn't do any of that. Proud of you. Well, thank you. Well done. Well done. So, uh, again, just trying to relate the uh, the 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 weekend. You know, these are sad events, but at the same time, they are celebratory. Hopefully, you celebrate, too, the life of those that have lived and and lived quite, quite a life. And uh, for the most part, I'm blown away because I know people, but when you go to these events, whether they're called funerals or memorial services, you end up learning about people because of the experiences others, their family members, others have had with them. Mm-hmm. It was really quite an extraordinary life that was led by uh, those those people. And of course, the, the brothers and the family that, that kicks it into gear since that point in time to keep it going. Amazing. Uh, so if you haven't seen, this is the Sovereign Copper, by the way. Oh, look at that. Yes. That's a great, let's, that was when I arrived. I got off the airplane and went right there last Friday and uh, wonderful people. That's at the organic farmer's table in Sarasota, Florida. Highly recommend it. And we were sitting there eating and, and I'm talking to Ben, who's right next to me. That's the youngest son of, of the Quintos. And he was looking at the, you know, I guess it's Yelp reviews or, or Google reviews. And it had like a, I don't know, it's 3.9. I don't know, something that wasn't great. I'm like, what the, what is wrong with people? The food is amazing. And so what had, was the complaint? I think, you know, what happens downtown Sarasota is kind of a frou-frou wealthy place. And these people, you know, immigrants from Italy, uh, the daughters of the immigrants, it's like second generation now in, in America are just good people. They're not pretentious people. They're nice people and they really care about organic. And so they opened this restaurant in what used to be, I think, a taco shop or something. And I think that the people there are either just partying and drinking heavily or they're looking for that high-end, I don't know what kind of level experience that it's, it's not that. It's like very, it's somewhat rustic, but it's just authentic. And the people there are just so nice and open-hearted. And I'm like, I give them a, I gave them a five-star review because I'm like, I had the, uh, Forget, I don't even know what it's called anymore. I got to look at their menu. But then again, on the way out yesterday, before I had lunch, I ordered breakfast. This is the greatest scrambled eggs, grits, organic. Get this, super done. I had an organic, what do they call that thing? A biscuit. The kind of stuff I can never, you can't find that organic. An organic biscuit. Certified okay. organic all the way through, man. Oh, it was, it was comfort food. 
I was like, right. my belly was very happy yesterday on the way out of town. <laughs> um, but again, it, it's those opportunities to celebrate with people that care more about the frou-frou of something, but care about the quality is, and that's my assessment of it anyway, but I know uh, what to get you for Christmas now. Organic biscuits, organic biscuits, man. That and really organic pie, right? Yeah. That's yeah. up on the pie. Right. <laughs> I'm easy to please. <laughs> anyway. All right. Look, I I'm belaboring this because it's been a while since I've been in studio with you and, and I know we're going to get to Chrissy uh, chin in a moment. We're going to talk you guys and gals out there that are wanting to be, I, I would say recession and depression proof your business, but certainly to strategize and learn some things that will make it so you can ride through these things. There's a masterclass that's coming. It's in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com and the date, uh, the 18th of April, uh, 2023, when this first airs live. But briefly, the the Vulcan mind meld that Super Don and I have, he says, you know what, we should open on a Bobby Kennedy story. Robert F. Kennedy is about to declare officially uh, to run for the United States presidency. That's right. And, you know, we've watched him develop over the course of time as an avowed and, and legitimate environmentalist, a man of great integrity in that realm, who was confronted with a lot of moms were coming to him with information about mercury and shots and autism. He was initially a little skeptical, but he, he dug deep on the science and he became a, a very outspoken advocate. And of course, then it, he became, you know, persona non grata, basically by the media that would adore and fawn over a Kennedy. My gosh, the, the nephew of President John F. Kennedy, the son of Robert F. Kennedy, Senator, who both were assassinated. And now they couldn't get out of their way to discredit this man as a, you know, a, a conspiracy theorist, anti-vaxxer. And so as he's running for or declaring about to declare, uh, our friend Jeremy Hammond has written a great article. ABC News hit piece on RFK Jr. illuminates the vaccine religion. As we've talked about it, vaccines are not science. Vaccines have devolved into as much of modern medicine has into a, a a death cult, a celebration of death. I mean, abuse. Think about this, doctors. What doctor is willing to butcher a child to convert them from one sex characteristics to another? Right, male to female, female to male. Even though you can't really change that. And as I say that, we've acknowledged. Look, if you're an adult above the you know age of consent, 21 or up, you make your decisions about what you want to do with your body. That's your thing. But to butcher children, this is the medical community. To inject children with or adults with toxic poisons that have never been uh, tested under a double-blind placebo-controlled studies, and and yet if you call that out, you're a conspiracy theorist and an anti-vaxxer who should be denigrated rather than lauded as a hero for pointing out the lack of scientific rigor and. And, and scientific method in bringing those things to market. Now, many physicians have woken up finally. Many nurses have as well because of the COVID jab that they insisted be called a vaccination to their own detriment instead of a gene therapy or a gene alteration injection of some kind. And now they're having to deal with the fact that many, many people are waking up not only to the COVID jab scam, but to all other previous vaccinations that were not rooted in sound science, that, that were just basically being fed a program, a belief system. And so this ABC News article, just in, you know, in the first three paragraphs, it calls them anti-vaccine three times in two paragraphs. Anti-vaccine activists. I mean, it's worse. You see the Daily Beast, what they did on him. And yet he's a Democrat. He has uh, what they call more modern liberal ideals, although I would say more traditional or classical liberalism than what they call woke liberalism or progressivism. But he's, he's, not, he's not a Republican. He's not a conservative by, by, by any means. Yet he's a critical thinker. And so he's about to declare for the presidency. And then, 
you'd say, you'd say I, a lot of my friends are very supportive of him that believe a lot what we believe. And I am supportive. I'm thrilled that he's running. And then we have my good friend, John Rappaport, who has his uh, sub stack, which is wonderful. And I, I just read this this morning. I said, oh, we gotta co- I got to cover this. People have been pushing me to attack RFK Jr. because he won't say the COVID virus is a fake. And so here you've got people that would ordinarily go, hey, man, Bobby Kennedy's amazing. He's one of the few high-level celebrity, politician, influencers on the planet that is willing to speak out to his own detriment about the problems with the vaccine paradigm and specific vaccines even, or even taking on a lot of the COVID narrative. And he's coming again from a liberal Democrat viewpoint and saying, hey, you liberal Democrats have lost your way believing this. Yet, those of us who have been saying, yeah, that's a, it's a bunch of hooey, the scam is on, on, and, and agree with Bobby Kennedy, hooray, Bobby Kennedy, are now saying, well, but he's not talking about and fill in the blank. And in this case, of course, there are a lot of people that follow John Rappaport, have heard him on my show, we've done a lot over the years together, and of course his writing, that call into question not only the causation hypothesis of COVID, but cause, call to question the very existence of a so-called virus that caused any of this. And, and if, if I'm caught anywhere, and I don't, I don't really believe I am in the middle of this, I'm recognizing, yes, we've got many schools of thought, many camps and beliefs in this audience, and very scientifically oriented, many of you, as, as am I. Yet I've called into question the very PCR tests from not just COVID era, but 10, 15, 20 years. In fact, the first time I opened up the microphone in 1999, we were talking about the scam of HIV causing AIDS because of all that I had studied in the 1990s about the conflicts of interest. And guess what? Going through Anthony Fauci long before that people knew Fauci was an absolute criminal. And so they're going after uh, uh, John Rappaport because Rappaport's enthusiastic about Bobby Kennedy running for president. Like, Hey John, but you don't believe in the virus or the virus theory. And so he's supposed to reject him. And boy, this is a great article. And and if you can't handle a little uh, foul language in this article that he wrote or opinion piece, then don't read it. But it's it made me laugh out loud numerous times. Because people believe their, their politician heroes or saviors should be like Santa Claus. It's like, for those of you who love Trump, what about Trump still claiming that the COVID jab that he ushered in through Operation Warp Speed saved millions of lives? Do you believe that? Probably don't. And, and, you know, if you're looking for a political savior, you're looking for the wrong place for a savior. Let me just say this. Bobby Kennedy has a lot of integrity. He, he investigates. He reports on it. He writes about it. Children's Health Defense has done extraordinary work. And we could argue that, hey, well, they're not doing good enough because they haven't tackled the butchery of children through transgender surgeries below the age of, you know, consent, 18, I guess you could say, technically. Do we do that or we go, hey, I'm going to praise them because of what they're bringing out is so profound and so powerful. It has saved a lot of people's lives. And maybe they go to something else that you find is important or maybe not. Or maybe the people that yell at me, hey, Robert, how come you say this and not this? I've got an advantage being on two hours a day, six days a week that over time I can cover almost everything and anything. In, in fact, it was funny. Um, we were just talking about before going to air one possible guest that wanted to, to talk about high dose vitamin C and vitamin C uh, IVs. And I'm not opposed to them per se, but it's not one of my favorite topics because 
I, I can do with selenium at microgram doses what it takes milligrams and maybe even grams of C to do maybe sometimes. So it's like, why should I bother with that? I, I got another way to go about it. But some people that's maybe vitamin C fanatics will now go, oh, Robert, I'm never listening to you again. I'm never watching you again. Or remember the joke about we covered urine therapy on the air? Oh, no, Robert, don't do that. I can't tell anybody about your show because if they tune in and you have to mention urine therapy, I'm going to they're going to run away before they even. Yeah. If you listen to five minute snippet of any show, you're going to think I'm this. It's kind of like grabbing the tail of an elephant when you're blindfolded and think it's a snake. You know, <laughs> step back a little, take some time, digest and assimilate all of this. So as you read, hopefully the uh, Rappaport article, he then goes after Mickey Mouse as being really the responsible party in all of this because he has more followers than the Pope. And, and Mickey Mouse has not talked about the fact that the virus isn't real. So you should be really going after Mickey Mouse. Again, it, the, the, the absurdity piled on top of absurdity, and every time somebody's not 100% pure, you call them controlled opposition. Really? They said that about my friend Kevin Tuttle, associate producer here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Oh, he's controlled opposition. No. Sorry, not happening, not happening because people are who they are. Yes. At any given snapshot in time. And then they have experiences that can transform them and change them at any point in time. I look back at me as a teenager, any, any buffs can look back and go, Oh, is that the same person I am today? If you are, you're probably a narcissist. <laughs> you're never going to grow. Okay. That's a, that's a different category of people. But outside of that realm, we're talking people can change through experience. I've changed. You've changed. And through the case of Bobby Kennedy, he has changed in his lifetime dramatically. But to go to that step where the virus doesn't exist, you might not get, I don't know. I, I think it would be over before it begins. But yes, consciousness shifts over time. Now, let's go into the consciousness of business. Business. I'm, I'm never claimed to be a businessman. In fact, a lot of what you have to do in business is kind of distasteful to me. I just don't like it. My, you know what lights me up? Getting people well. Sparking them to help them to heal themselves. To bring the power to heal back where it belongs. Now, somehow, some way, we have managed, Super D and me, the, the ragtag duo over many years, to somehow survive, you know, through a lot of lean times too and ups and downs. And, and I would say we did it the hard way, did we not? <laughs> <laughs> could be an understatement yeah it's kind of like oh the way no one else would do yeah it. i guess guess maybe we should be doing that too like how come nobody's listening to it well the scrappy because... dynamic duo that can't figure out how to get out of our own way but yeah. i i think there is grace to some degree there is also um a delivery of a product or a service that is valuable that some people perceive it even though we've not had um the wherewithal to go out to the world and tell everybody it's just kind of been an organic growth over the years with, with occasionally some great people that have come on board. Like I, I mentioned the aforementioned Kevin Tuttle, who's now doing amazing public relations in, on top of uh, the associate produ production role. But for the most part, we've say we, we've kind of done it in a way that probably if you write about in business school, they'd say, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what would, yeah. uh, what would Chrissy Chin say? She's got a, an amazing background. And we're going to learn all about her today, or a lot about her anyway, and the fact that there's a masterclass coming up that I want for all of you, particularly in the health realm, but not exclusively, anything that you're doing, 
There's a masterclass coming up, and, and it says here in the headline, the six-figure CEO secret to increasing sales while spending most of your time with your family. You know, can you be successful and not lose your family? That's another part of a lot of the history of business. You get out there and- And you know, that's a real thing. Yeah. Because if you remember back in the day, and I'm just going to, well, we'll bring Chrissy in here. Yes, uh, there's Chrissy. Look at that. I was, <clears throat> my wife was a radio widow. Mm -hmm. That's right. For quite a while. Yeah. Because I literally lived at the network and uh, poured all of my time and my efforts. I was working, you know. Well, you you know what? You invested in skills. Someone would say you didn't invest in yourself at that time because you were working for another company that eventually went under and we moved on to other places and things. And, and you know, I've been, I, people ask me all the time, well, what are you investing, Robert? Well, I invest in myself. And that is what I have more control over and Chrissy Chin, give us some insight. And I, I thrown out a lot at you in this case. And I want to learn about you, why you know what you know and why you want to help all these folks in, in our audience here as well, including us perhaps to do better. Yeah. Well, I, I would say that you don't know what you don't know till you know. So when you're, you're just getting started and you're in, especially in the health and wellness space, most of you, you got certifications and various things, but they're not teaching you the business side. Mm -hmm. So you do, you have to go scrap it. You have to go figure it out. You have to try all the things, trial and error. And it takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. And we find ourselves falling on our faces quite often. Yeah. Uh, it's very humbling, you know, from time to time. But um, but you figure it out or you seek help. Yeah. The people that have have done what you would like to do and fast track. Well, it. How, how did you learn what some of what you're going to share today? I know more in the master class, but uh, was it something you grew up in a business oriented family or is it something you went to the school of hard knocks or B school? Tell me a little bit about your history there. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, my dad was had an entrepreneurial spirit and he uh, was an inventor at heart, but he chose to not take that path and provide for his family as a pharmacist. Mm. Um, actually, shockingly enough, um, it became a very awake pharmacist later, you know, later on. But, um, you know, so I had a little of that not knowing, you know, he had that passion and desire, but he didn't have a business when I was, you know, in the later stages. And I ended up going to nursing school. I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm passionate about health and wellness. And I think I could, you know, I could find a nursing job anywhere and it's flexible and I only have to work three days a week. And uh, that was enticing. And so I ended up doing that. And then shortly after, you know, getting into it, I was like, wait a minute, what did I actually sign up for here? I'm working nights, I'm working weekends, I'm working holidays, and I'm missing out on a lot of things. And um, so I wanted that time freedom, I wanted that financial freedom. But one of the other truths, and I don't talk about this too often, but is that I was seeing, this was 10 years ago when I, when I got into the nursing field, and I remember kind of getting started and, and to get my job, they needed all my immunization records. And I was like, oh, I can't find everything. And they're like, okay, we're going to have to pull some labs and see, you know, what you've got antibodies for. And I remember the MMR, I had, I did not have the levels. And they were like, okay, we're going to shoot you up with that. And then pull le levels again. Nope, not enough antibodies. We're going to shoot you up again. Mm. And basically, I just never developed those antibodies. And I guess there's a small percentage of people that that, that happens to, right? Maybe larger. Um, and so, you know, there was that and, and I didn't know all that I know now at the time. And then years kept going and the, the flu shot was getting pushed. And I was like, man, I don't want that. And I did find myself in a place where, and I was actually shocked at a lot of the hospitals at the time. I don't know what it is now. You could opt out and wear a mask during 
flu season. And shockingly, there was a lot of nurses wearing masks. I was, I was surprised and I was one of those. And so it was just this combination of wanting more time freedom, wanting more financial freedom, and actually just wanting my freedom and feeling like if I keep staying here, things are going to get worse. And there were hospitals at the time that were not letting you out unless you had a serious medical reason for it. And so I feel, I feel grateful that I, that I did get out and, and start my own business. The, the exploration of entrepreneurship started way back then, 10 years ago. Well, Christy, it's fascinating um, to me that your backstory involves nursing because we are integrating a lot of information with uh, the nurses that have woken up through COVID and they recognize mm -hmm. what they were doing was not actually nursing and not helpful, maybe very harmful. Uh, my friend Kimberly yeah. Overton will be with me and she established the Nurse Freedom Network and Remnant Nursing. And we talk about this. She's like figuring out how, how do I make this work? And many doctors and nurses are looking to set up shop beyond and outside of the realm of what they had been you know, locked into working for somebody else. So as timely as this yeah. can be, the fact that you also have that nursing background, I don't know if you're able to next weekend, but uh, we're going to be in Nashville, Tennessee for the uh, the big event that Terry and Stu Warner putting on. A lot of uh, medical health professionals there for continuing education and stuff. But yeah, I think you would be welcome with open arms, like with your background to connect with these people. They are ready to hear what you have. To oh, here it is. Thank you, Super Don. American Health and Freedom Summit and Expo, April 28th, 29th and 30th in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I'll be speaking. I'll be emceeing. We'll be having a lot of reunion time with everybody that's coming. And, uh, you know, a lot of this is being discussed, just, just you know, what yeah. you're identifying. And, and so um, did you go into business within a nursing, uh, let's say, paradigm or completely removed yourself from that? So, so I found myself getting a educating myself a lot more about health prevention, alternative health. And my family had been into that for, for a while, but I just started diving more and more into it and found this passion for preventative health. Why were we seeing patients over and over and over again in the hospital when they can do a lot of preventative health and never come through the doors? And so I found myself passionate there, wanting to kind of get out of this you know, political climate in the hospitals yeah. and, and all of that and do my own thing and have my own freedom, time, freedom, financial freedom, health, freedom, all of that. And so I just started exploring. I started saying yes to any opportunity that came my way and getting, um, you know, certifications and different techniques to see with patients. And I just started exploring. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted my own thing. And through trial and error, you know, set up one business and I was seeing patients and then I was like, eh, you know, I don't know that I want to be tied down to a location. I was in Chicago at the time. Mm -hmm. and I was like, what if we want to move and I've got to leave a whole practice behind seeing patients and about mobility too, freedom. Uh, that yeah. isn't that some of the things that we hear about when somebody wants to go into business and make a lot of money, for instance, if money is the motivator, the money, I think the motivator for a lot of people for the freedom, it can quote unquote buy you. But if you're enslaved to do it inefficiently, then you're never free to use it. You know, it's like, right. I think there was a Dalai Lama quote or, or something like that about people spending their whole life searching for freedom by working for money. And then at the end of the time, yeah. they have all the money and they're not even healthy anymore. Right. So they miss the, the idea of having joy while you're able to do that. And I guess that's a big question, too, in terms of what drives people. Uh, how can they engage in business to be successful economically and then ha actually enjoy freedom instead of being slate enslaved. And, and as Super Don said, you know, making your wife a widow to the radio thing or me, I travel a lot, although 
my wife's probably pretty happy every once in a while when I leave. So it's okay. It all balances out. But, but yeah. I say that to my husband, aren't you going out of town? Yes, so I have some you know, shows I have to catch up. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, all right, enough. Are you ready to go? I got enough kids already. So, uh, yeah, but that idea, uh, I think it's, it's profound. I think people are recognizing that, uh, the, the so-called hamster wheel of being in business and never mm-hmm. gaining the freedom that you thought or your promise once you have wealth, for instance. Yeah. Well, it's a huge misconception that to start a business, you have to hustle. You have to sacrifice all of your time and your energy to get your business off the ground. And that's simply not the truth. Um, but certainly we're taught that it's not your fault that you think that way. We're taught that, um, you know, through all of the things through childhood and school, you know, get good grades, get straight A's. You start becoming this perfectionist, have to do it right, have to do all the things to do a good job. Um, you know, parents growing up, having them work 40 plus hours, got to work hard to bring, you know, money home to put food on the table and a roof over your head. And, and you know, it does take work. It takes hard work. But if you do it smart Um, If you do it in a way that's very efficient, uh, I do not believe that you have to hustle and you have to sacrifice time with your family and energy and stress yourself to the point where you're getting sick to launch your own business, to make your business work. So if if you haven't launched yet and that's holding you back, there's a way to do it without. If you're in, you know, your business, maybe you're a health coach, a health practitioner, health professional, and you feel like you're drowning a little bit, there's always, you always feel behind. There's too much to do. You know, when you're at home with your family, you're thinking about all the things that you have to do at work. Um, You know, just feeling like your to-do list is ever growing and there's never enough time. It doesn't have to be that way. Like you're saying, yeah, go ahead. I'm getting a sense of, this is something I've heard in my life, tried to figure this out, working smarter, not harder. It, it, I don't think you're you're preaching against working hard, are you? I mean, I mean, no. it's, there's a whole uh, generation or two now of, of what we call uh, the expectation that everything will be given to you, that you don't have to do anything. I mean, I don't know that that's what you're saying either it's no. about mm-hmm. certain things you can do more efficiently. Yeah, 100 percent. Like I said, it takes it takes work. Uh, I think passion is something that can really help drive people. And so many of you out there that are health professionals, you know, you're passionate about what you do and wanting to make a change and wanting to make a difference and wanting to um, help people in their lives. And so passion can be a great driving force. And so it does take work, but it doesn't have to take all of your hours in the day. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it in a strategic way, in an effective way, you can make an, a huge impact and you can bring in the revenue that you want to bring while mm-hmm. still having joy in everything that you're doing and having hours back in your day to, to be with your family more or do dive into your business in a different capacity that you want to do. Chrissy, is this in the confines of, uh, uh, you know, let's say a narrow set of uh, circumstances or a narrow set of business products or services or, or the things we're going to talk about in this uh, masterclass on April 25th, by the way, free for everybody. You just sign up for free, but, uh, is it something that can be applied to other things that are already in existence? People that are in business already, they they may not want to start over. Tell me a little bit, give me some hints here. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So if you already have, if you, you know, lots of health professionals out there. So, I mean, you can share with me some of the people that are listening, but I imagine uh, maybe you have your own practice. Um, There's certainly things that you can be doing if you have a physical location to help bring more customers through your doors, even if you're at a local establishment to bring customers in, 
um, you know, on autopilot really and be finding the perfect customer. The last thing we want is our business filled with people that are not really interested and are not going to buy what we have to offer. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's one of the key things. And that's a, that's one of the things a lot of people are missing, really watering down their messaging and they're just trying to attract all the people. And that's actually not the smartest way to go about it. Um, you know, so someone like that, someone online, maybe someone who all the nurses out there that are like, gosh, I got to figure out my own thing. Maybe you want to, um, you know, launch a digital product, a course, a program, a community space um, to be able to have a digital offering there to take your knowledge, your skills and really put it out there and make a difference. You know, this is going to be um, incredible for someone of that nature, um, someone who has multiple offers. Maybe you sell physical products. So that's part of, um, you know, my background is is when I was exploring, I was like, eh, maybe I don't want to be a practitioner seeing patients in an office. Maybe I'll sell some wellness products and got into the network marketing space using that model. Um, so certainly if you're selling physical products online, online is a great way to reach people. Again, you've got to be bringing in the right customers that are going to purchase or you're wasting a lot of time, a lot of energy and a lot of money. Um, you know, so someone who has physical products or maybe you have physical products and you're like, you know what? I want another revenue stream. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the economy is, you know, starting to really suffer here. In <laughs> everything is going up, the cost uh, of living, right? Finding, finding something that you've heard the term recession proof. In other words, what it, you got to think about these things. You might be doing well in certain boom cycles, but there are other people that boom in bust cycles. So that means there's mm -hmm. some things that are valuable, maybe even more so in those downturns. And I'm thinking, could people that join the masterclass learn about, you know, get some tips or ideas to, to kind of trend that way? Yeah, 100 percent. Um, being able to not put all of your eggs in the basket that you're in. You never know if you have a job somewhere, you never know what's going to happen. They could cut half of your company in seconds. So being able to, yeah, we'll talk about that in the masterclass. If you're someone who's has some ideas, you have some skills, maybe you've been in your, um, you know, profession for 15 years and you're like, I have all this knowledge. I don't know what to do with it. Um, this is certainly for you as well. 100%. Beautiful. Well, it could be really fun at the same time. Um, you know, I know we've got a lot of folks that are, as you described, you know, seeing people now they bring people in and they, there's consultation, but it's amazing. We've got truck drivers, big fans of the show. So it's like, there's not just one type of business per se that's out there engaged. And of course, many people that just go to, you know, I guess punch the clock too. Although that those kind of days are just not so appealing to a lot of people. And, um, you know, even as you mentioned in the nursing profession, our friend Sherry Neal, she's in there. She said, they convinced us as nurses that we are amazing and wonderful for working insane overtime hours. She says, I missed so much or was exhausted for many important years of my kids' lives. So what you're tapping into is something very real that uh, maybe it's a belief system that's bred into us through the school system all the way to university that you got to be perfect. You got to, you know, give everything to the job. And I've certainly been guilty in many times in my life of working so hard going, geez, I'm not even getting home till after dark. And that's not so desirable because of the things you miss, even though you're doing it for the, I believe the right reasons. You want to care for your family and things like that. So there's got to yeah. be a better way, a more efficient way. Yeah. Here's my sweet spot is certainly helping people take the knowledge and skills that they have and turn it into a digital scalable offer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so kind of the back end of my story is 
you know, I've always wanted to work more efficiently. And so in building those other businesses, selling those products, I was like, how can I do this in a more efficient way? And, and I'd have, you know, team members that were coming to ask me, they didn't have as much time as I had. So I'm like, I'm going to create a training, an online training that they can go through. It's going to save me time. It's going to save them time. It's going to speed this up. And then realized there was a business in that. And so brought my youngest sister on board. So fun fact, my business partner is my youngest sister. We're two of four mm -hmm. girls. And, um, you know, brought her on board and launched this, this offer, this um, membership style as a subscription style. We launched it for $4.95 a month. So very affordable and to a very specific audience. And that business blew up. We were like sort of in shock and awe. Um, we had one little failed business before. So again, I was just testing things, got some, some support. I was like, look, I still don't know what I'm doing. Got some support. Someone to kind of show me the ropes. How does this online thing work? How do we attract people and turn them into customers so we can serve um, a wider audience and get the things that we want and need? And we had 1,400 paying customers in a month, 4,000 in four months and generated a million dollars in revenue in 20 months. And I'm still like just humbled by the situation, get chills just thinking about it. And so that's just where it, it started evolving and people started coming to me. How do I create a course? How do I create a membership? How do I take some of the knowledge that I have and monetize it? in a way that I can still be, you know, maybe working my day job because I need that too. And I maybe I like it, still have time with my family. And so that really did become my sweet spot. Um, you know, but we do have people that have, you know, brick and mortar that want to just get more efficient with their business and bringing using leveraging the online space to bring people in. Sure. Um, well, and I also think about the health food store business, which used to be the primary means of brick and mortar place where people would go to get things. And yet, traffic is down in those stores we have mm -hmm. many listeners in those stores and yes there's a lot of online you know things to do but perhaps there's some things they could learn that would make it more efficient yeah what they're doing and and i mean i'm looking at your website we have it linked up by the way super don show that website and there's some nice testimonials in there uh one of them chrissy and claire gave me a roadmap for where to start and where to go to help me see the bigger vision for my business the value i bring uh, and they help me see that something I already do can turn it be turned into revenue. That's what I'm thinking. There are a lot of things yeah. that people are already doing that they could do more efficiently. And I know Super D and me would go, dude, yeah, we're just like the ultimate non-efficient. Somehow we get a show out two hours a day, six days a week because <laughs> you're, doing, yeah, you're doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> something True. Right. But again, yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's just it, we're self-taught. You know, we just yeah. kind of just this worked. It kind of like what you were talking about, but. Uh, Man, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things that we've done, I know I've been guilty of is I try and reinvent the wheel all the time. Mm. You know, it's just like, oh, well, this is what I want to do. Now, how do I do that? And I start from scratch. And then, it's you know, eventually after kicking myself in the teeth enough, I'm kind of like, you know what? Somebody else may have done this already. Why don't I go see what they're doing? Right. And yeah. we've uh, occasionally there have been some leaps made when you figured that out. Like, we yeah. Wow. Hey, that. it only yeah. took us 10 years to get there, but we did it. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. Most of us don't have 10 years. Right. And my first half of my my entrepreneurial journey was five years of trial and error. Start this business, stop that. And I learned a lot um, mm -hmm. that's gotten me to where I am. But, yeah, if you can have someone kind of walk you through the steps and ask you the right intelligent questions to help you flush that out and see the holes in your business where you can get more efficient. That's the key. And, and I like that you mentioned that testimonial from the website page, because mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of um, 
holdups with people that are thinking, well, I'm not an expert. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, I didn't go to school for this. I don't have a certification, but the truth of the matter is you really just need to be one step ahead of the person that you're teaching. And so that's where, you know, if you're a truck driver and you've got a passion for, I don't know, fishing, I don't do truck drivers probably don't have time to go <laughs> fishing. I don't know, but if you've got a passion for that, if you're yeah. one step ahead, yeah. you know, of someone else, you can teach someone some fishing skills online and, and you can turn one of your loves, one of your passions into a business. I mean, it could really be anything. Um, so again, you just have to be one step ahead to mm -hmm. be able to get online and to teach someone. And, and you just have to, you know, people think you have to get the courage to take action, but really it's taking action to get the courage. <laughs> cool. Right? Hey, Super Don, are you sending out like an email blast to everybody in the audience about this? Yeah, I'm going to send, I'm going to send an email out probably tomorrow morning. Okay. Um, with, with all the information that people need. On all right. So, so they can get signed up. I'm looking at this. I'm just seeing that we have a banner in the show notes today at robertscabell.com. Uh, April 18th, the day we air this first time. Um, calling all entrepreneurs, network marketers, coaches, and health professionals. And and I'm not a network marketer, but I can appreciate the uh, insight and being efficient in going out to the world and doing better. Uh, the six-figure CEO's secret to increasing their sales while spending most of their time with their family. Uh, discover the proven strategy. Uh, on and on it goes here. And you can get a seat for free to this thing. It's a, a 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern time zone um, event on April the 25th. And there may be a replay if you can't make it to that thing, but I'll, I'll let uh, Chrissy explain that in just a moment as we wrap up here with her. But I just, I'm glad we could do this today because as I'm talking to people out there and traveling as well, hearing about economic downturns, not just because people are doom and gloomers, but I mean, just seeing behavior shift and going, I'd rather be ahead of it than react, you know, from an unemployment line, so to speak. Uh, it's charity is wonderful and I'd rather be able to give charity than have to receive it. Although I understand there's an important role in receiving it if you need it. But the idea is here, tap into the creative imagination that God gave you. And if there are others that have done this, tap into their knowledge base. If they're willing to share it, sounds like you are. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm here for you guys. All right. So it's a, only a one hour class to, to get people started. It's free, correct? Yeah. Free. Um, we'll be hanging out. If you can come live, I, I always find that people get the most um, impact when when they show up live. But because we know people are in different time zones, you have other commitments, you might not be able to reschedule. We will send out a replay, but block off an hour in your calendar at any point in time in that first 24 hours to watch okay. the replay. We always do some really special things for the people that come on live and, and that end in 24 hours. So it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to learn you're going to learn a lot. You're going to be inspired. You're going to be, um, you're going to, you're going to know what the next step is to do, whether you're just starting or you've got a business that you feel is just stressing you out and burning you out. And you really want to be successful. You're not sure if it's really meant for you. It is success is meant for you. And I'm just excited to be here to help you share your message, um, in the world, whether it's in the health and wellness space or something else, uh, to be able to serve, serve more people out there. All right, Chrissy Chin, thanks for joining us and giving us some uh, some bright lights to look forward to that are not oncoming economic trains that are, are flattening you, right? That, you know, are something that's more uplifting and more, uh, let's say, in, in your power space and base. So you can actually take these steps. And as you said, you don't necessarily need the courage to do it. You need to just do it. And the courage is a manifestation of that. I like that. Mm -hmm. Love it. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. 
All right, Chrissy. Well, you're welcome back anytime. And uh, I love that your backstory is in the nursing profession because, like I said, we've got a lot of friends and fans in that realm right now trying to figure this thing out. So it's perfect timing. And uh, maybe just maybe you can escape to Nashville next weekend and, and, and meet a lot of cool people as well. I will 100% check the calendar for sure. Nashville's a fun place to go and it's not too far from me. It so. is. Yeah. Like four hours, I think by car. So you guys take the time, everybody around there. If you haven't planned to be there, we got a big one coming up. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you. All right. Chrissy Chen again, that's the, uh, well, it's a masterclass on, on, you know, being more efficient and doing what you love to do. That's what I sense about this. And I think it's timely as if there ever was timeliness for that. Also, this weekend, Friday and Saturday, 21st, 22nd, it's BeHealthyUtah.com. Uh, we're going to be giving away. Super Don, do we have a, a free ticket request? Because I've just got a list of people that are on my backup list. If no one requests them, I've got uh, a number that I'm going to be uh, giving out uh, this week with the next couple of days. Thank you, Chrissy. Yeah. Um, so you tell me because I know you get lots. Of I have not. No, I have not gotten okay. any emails. from. So I don't know. People just aren't going to be in Utah that uh, weekend. So uh yeah, you just so let you me, me let me know what you need, and we'll get your 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 list hooked up. All right. So I want to get get everybody that didn't think they could be there to to join us. Uh, my talk is uh, Friday at three fifteen uh, Mountain Time, right after the uh, a broadcast, live broadcast from Be Healthy Utah. I'll dart over to the stage and do a live uh, uh, presentation, and then uh, beyond that, will be let's see what else do I have to do there. Um, I don't think I have to MC that one. No, so. I'll just be at the booth pouring <coughs> shots of silver and copper, signing copies of the book. Um, I don't know what else. I'll just have a great time with everybody. So come on down. It'll be fun to get to be a reunion. So BeHealthyUtah.com. Check it out. All right. We do have a question of the day coming up, do we not? Uh, we do. This is a pretty good size one here. This is mm. coming from Jen, it looks like. Mm. Super sized it is. Yes. All right, Jan, here we go. Hi, Robert. I appreciate your show so much. I hope you can offer some suggestions. I was not sick at all during all of 2020 and 2021, though my husband and I were around sick grandchildren. I babysit them two days a week. Many, quote unquote, vaccinated and not vaccinated family and friends. We went to church, went to work, and were around plenty of people and never got sick. Oh, wait a second. That means you were violating the stay-at-home orders and don't worship orders? Oh, Jen. I love you. Welcome. <laughs> For me, it's a it's a badge of honor to say you didn't stop hanging out with people. Great. That's Jen. That's awesome. Yes. Funny. I did not expect that sound effect. There you go. <laughs> um, so good. Yeah, please. And, and like I said, she wasn't sick through all of that. You know, we were going out and about through all of that, even having events and didn't really get sick. We had early on described a very minor symptomatic manifestation of what they call COVID for whatever reason. But she says, my husband and I had lunch a couple of, uh, with a couple sitting at a small restaurant booth for about two hours. Both of these people told us they took the jab. I didn't think anything of it until two days later when both husband and I became ill, but we had different symptoms and I was sicker than he. I had a severe sinus infection and then a cough that lingered for weeks. I'm convinced it's from the shedding phenomenon. Since then, I've had two more sinus infections. And now I seem to have bronchitis. This is ridiculous. I've never experienced anything like this in 65 years. We eat very high quality food and take whole food supplements. Nevertheless, it seems like my immune system is damaged or not responding properly to these insults. What can I do to improve my immunity? 
I've also noticed cognitive deficits since October. I experienced that before with thyroid problems, so I know what that looks like. And even though others may not notice it, I do. Just saw today that there's a study that came out on BioRxiv talking about spike protein accumulation in the skull meninges brain axis. My husband and I, oh, hey, stop there. Superdon, do you have that uh, study you could show on the screen? I have it here as well. Uh, and yeah, here's the headline from this article she's referencing. SARS-CoV-2 spike protein accumulation in the skull meninges brain axis, potential implications for long-term neurological complications in post-COVID-19 uh, era. And yeah, so anybody that's feeling that cognitive deficit suddenly over the last few years, it may not be because you're getting older. It may be because you have an accumulation of these so-called spike proteins in areas that are impacting brain and neurological function. So it begs the question that Jen, Jen is asking, you know, what do I do? What can I do? And as she wraps up, she says, my husband and I did a parasite protocol after the October attack. And recently I've been taking natokinase and serapeptase. Sorry, this is so long trying to give enough detail so you can get the overall picture. Thanks again for all you do, Jen. All right, I need to take a sip of tea after reading that. That's a long one, Super D. Really long. <laughs> need a breather after that, huh? Yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> boy, oh boy. But, you know, I think about her first uh, description of the sinus issues that don't don't go away. They linger, they, they go, they come back, and then end up in the lungs. One of the things that I've, I think I brought up pretty consistently, Super D. Mm-hmm is the lungs are a compensatory excretory organ normally for inflow of, of air, right? The oxygen you pull in and the carbon dioxide eventually there's, it's a lot more complicated than that, but it's just for the simplistic sake of, of let's look at what's going on here. The body knows that that's the pathway of excretion as well. Now, if there is an immune challenge and if the liver, the kidneys, the colon, the lymph are in any way, not fully engaged and able to do their job, there can be an accumulation. Now, of a normal metabolic waste, that's one thing, but now we're talking about unusual aberrant, perhaps spike proteins. That creates an additional challenge of detox pathway um, of functionality. So for me, it's about the extra effort we all must take. For me, the extra effort was homeopathic drainage remedies, learning about the herbs that help the liver and the kidneys, learning about homeopathics I mentioned, also coffee enemas for those of you so open to it, the herbal formula can just, which is a, a blend that you can get from Jonathan at choose to be healthy.com that works with the liver, the gallbladder, the stomach, the intestine, the entire tract there to help get it back online. Uh, so for me, always, despite the newness, so to speak of this aberrant protein, it does still come down to the detox pathways. So increasing selenium levels. And of course the antioxidant activity, I would say right now, the new tool that we have is the, uh, folium products. You know, this is uh this is the Chernobyl level antioxidant, the folium PX. And so you haven't tried that. And I would say it'd be worth getting on the three pronged approach, do a three month cycle, at least to start the folium PX super antioxidant, the folium PX super uh, antioxidant, which is immuno and the one that is for relax. And those things are going to help not only counteract the, I believe and perceive the spike protein, but the inflammation, et cetera, that's coming from that, but help facilitate that cleansing, that binding, that excreting uh, process. So that would be part of it. Uh, another aspect of this may be, of course, circulatory. We talked about the role of copper and selenium protecting the vasculature. 
and of course, copper and magnesium for energy. And of course, we think about energy and mitochondrial production of ATP. Super Don, you immediately think of your brain, right? Right? Maybe? I no? think of what? Your brain. My brain? Yeah. Needs a lot of energy. Yeah. Your brain, Super Don's brain, needs a lot of energy. He's always thinking. <laughs> what brain? What are you talking about? If I only had a brain. Well, yeah. my point is, again, taking a targeted approach to say what is needed based on what's manifesting. Now, if I was to just say, hey, let's target the so-called symptoms or the places where the symptoms are, what is the other way of targeting where the symptoms are? What do you call that? The P of F. You love that. Oh, God. Yeah. The point of foci. Yes. yes. Right. Directing activity <laughs> to the point of foci. So it'd be like, uh, let's see. Do I have it here? All right. Okay. You so and I, your point of foci. So I have a silver, sovereign silver nasal spray, or is it? Mm -hmm. Driving it directly in the sinus cavity to neutralize things. It's astringent. It cleanses things. And if there's a, a, any opportunistic bacterial fungal viral, you know, those things are going to be taken care of too. But you're talking also about the lungs. So it's the nebulization of that taking the silver hydrosol, putting in a nebulizer for inhalation into the lungs to neutralize things there, fully, uh, more fully oxygenate. And of course, the role of copper in oxygenation is critical too because copper uh, is critical for the use of iron in the body, including as hemoglobin, if you will, as oxygen carrying capacity of iron uh, is, is only fully available to the body in the presence of copper. So I look to that as a key deficiency. So all of the things that I talk about I talk about for good reason across the spectrum of, of reasons, including, Jen, what you bring up with your husband. As you said, his symptoms are different than yours. You have strengths and weaknesses. He has strengths and weaknesses. They, they're likely not going to be the very same thing. So that's another aspect of recovery here as we talk about it. Now, I have also in, integrated the NRDMG product from Nutritional Frontiers because what is another vulnerability? The exposure to glyphosate. No, this isn't a spike protein discussion at the moment, but it, it relates because when you have exposure to glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup that's sprayed on almost everything, if it's not certified organic, for, for sure you can count on your oats, uh, your grains, your legumes. If you love uh, hummus, you know, which is the chickpeas or different things that are done, they're all desiccated in glyphosate and it's very toxic and it's, it's, it's like an antibiotic in your gut. And it's more than that displaces glycine and punches holes in your gut, making sure that your gut is leaky and unable to absorb the nutrients that you need. And unfortunately, you'll be getting things in your gut that you don't need and into your blood and other areas of the body. So the correction, of course, is protection countering the glyphosate with the NRDMG product from Nutritional Frontiers. And you go to nutritionalfrontiers.com, you use the code RSB15 to get 15% off. And that's a strategy that I've elected to engage in, even though I don't really resort as far as I know, to eating things that are soaked in glyphosate. We can't account for almost anything cert with certainty now in that regard. So it's a good strategy, a preventive strategy. That's what I've done. And, and my whole family is now doing those lozenges every day. So there are a lot of things that I bring up that can work across the board, but become even more critical when you're dealing with this lingering situation. And if you have ongoing lung issues, remember in Unlock the Power to Heal on page 101, talk about God's medicine for the lungs is lobelia, lobelia tincture. Lobelia is, is more than just lungs, but if you put a drop of lobelia or dropper full of lobelia tincture in water and drink it, sip it down every day, you're, you're, you're going to find lung health recovered as well. And there are homeopathic remedies to address that too. So what else can you do to improve your immunity? 
I already mentioned selenium. I mentioned healing the gut, healing the liver. There are other strategies that Tracy Straup and Judy Mikovits have been working on. And we, I think we, we had Tracy on a while back and had Judy on recently as well. And, and I know that Judy will be at the national event. I don't know if Tracy's coming, but hanging out with Judy Mikovits is always fun because you learn so much every time, but she also endorses cardio miracle as do I, because the vasculature, the integrity of oxygen and nutrient delivery through the blood is very critical and keeping a sustained nitric oxide uh, production while counteracting the proxy nitrite and then converting the stored vitamin D into the active D, which it does, as well as enhancing cellular autophagy processes, detox and recycling processes. So all of these things are very critical for recovery, for regeneration, for immune health, and to get past what you're dealing with, including the challenges to cognition, as you described, associated with spike proteins or otherwise. So I'll pause there. If you guys have questions or comments uh, in the chat room, drop them in there. We'll try to analyze them as we go. And in hour two, let me see what we're covering as well. If you guys got comments about uh, Bobby Kennedy running for president too, I'd be curious to hear it. Uh, let's see what else we got. My friend Scott Shera is joining us again, and I can't wait to get the update as they're you know now in that stage of, uh, it's a process to get to the point where they can sue the uh, hospital in Appleton and all the people involved in the untimely death of Grace Shera. I believe wholeheartedly that she had a contract with God to do what she did. And that doesn't make it right what those people did to her, but to wake the medical establishment up, much less all that would use it to the warning that we, we must heed so that we don't become victimized uh, like Grace was. Although again, and I'll talk to her dad, Scott, and his perspective, how it shifted over time, but he's more committed than ever to, to make right that which is so wrong in that environment that led to the untimely passing of his daughter, Grace. So that's coming up. A uh, little economic discussion since we had a nice talk uh, this hour with Christy, Sh Christy Shin on uh, uh, business strategies and things and a, and a masterclass coming up for free that I'd love for you to sign up with or for. Um, a couple articles about cash. They're trying to eliminate cash to go digital. Why? They're claiming, oh, no, it's not what you think it is. Really? We'll talk about that as well. And then Scott Sherrill will give us the update. Uh, also, uh, that DNR that they placed on Gray Share, it's a do not resuscitate. Is that happening even more to others who have learning disabilities? The so-called undesirables going back to World War II, Vera Sharav talked about. Fascinating what's occurring here. And God bless Scott Sheriff for uh, being willing to speak out. And he was on the Glenn Breck uh, radio program, I believe, last week. He did a great job. I want to hear what's going on since then as well. So thank you all for being here. God bless you. Share the show. And remember, we have our AMA, Ask Me Anything, once a month for our patron supporters, as little as five bucks a month if you can help us out. That keeps us going and growing to reach the message or, or let's say preach the message and hopefully be living examples to that message that the power to heal is truly yours. All right, this hour on the Robert Chat Bell Show, we got Scott Shera joining us again with updates on what's going on uh, and the mission that he has taken on uh, that his loving and most amazing daughter, Grace, has set in motion uh, by her untimely passing. And uh, we've covered this story since we first learned about it in the beginning. 
and uh, there's more to it. And uh, new website, gracesharat.com, S-C-H-A-R-A.com. We'll be talking about that, how you can support and what's been going on with Scott in just a moment. But first and foremost, uh, I got to tackle this economic uh, issue that I've been bringing up for as long as I can remember. Certainly, uh, it, you know, this became somewhat popular of a talking point, particularly when uh, Ron Paul was running for president and the, um, the call to end the Fed became something that was uh, on the lips of many young people, much less those who followed uh, on in, a, I guess, a, a non-Keynesian sort of uh, economic perspective. The Chicago School is all about debt-based uh, um, money, fiat money, if you will, money printed out of thin air, and that there are other schools of thought. Uh, and you wouldn't know it growing up and learning about uh, money, so to speak, in, in public indoctrination centers, a.k.a. You know, public schools or or whatever you call them. I had to learn about money by reading, well, b- simple books. In fact, we read these to our children, like Whatever Happened to Penny Candy by Richard Mayberry, a great primer to understand what has been money throughout the ages. And if you look even biblically, uh, concepts like just weights and measures, that there's a principle of honesty and integrity. And as I discuss you know, monetary policies and things like that, even on a show about health, I talk about the health of the economy and how the principles of healing uh, coming from God apply to all aspects of life. We don't disintegrate them and go, well, that's uh, the exception to God's rule there. That's not how I try to do it. That's not how I learned it eventually as I learned better. Uh, but there are arguably things that might be different, <laughs> understatement, had we not adopted the Federal Reserve funny money and and had Nixon not completely closed the gold window in what 1971 when he said we're not going to redeem dollars in gold at all when it was at one point a uh, 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 an ounce of gold um was coined and printed imprinted with the stamp 20 dollars an ounce eventually it was reissued under the reagan administration thanks to the work of both congressman larry mcdonald and congressman ron paul who understood the law of nations that if you don't have an independent treasury you don't have a nation now, I could go into the borders issue and go, hey, if you don't have a border, you don't have borders, you don't have a nation either. But it seems like globalists are invested in diminishing any nation states to have one global government solution for all, one size fits all. And that would be the World Health Organization dictating to you and me what we can and can't do regarding our health. We already have it bad enough in the United States with the Fear and Death Administration, otherwise known as the FDA telling us what we can and can't do. In fact, I just saw a letter. They sent out a mass mailing, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, which has more bite than the FDA when it comes to regulation of speech as a, as, as a, a surrounding health claims or other things. And they're targeting dietary supplement manufacturers and warning without specificity that don't you dare even uh, print up uh, testimonials because that will be uh, uh, relegated to uh, uh, false speech of some kind. And therefore, we will fine you, I think, it was as much as $51,000 an episode. And I know that $51,000 does not buy you as much as it did before, but that's still pretty significant for most small businesses, could put them out of business. Yet, they're running cover for the pharmaceutical industrial complex, globalist corporations with no allegiance to any nation or state. Are you disgusted yet? And if you're a Republican and you're supportive of the FTC, much less the FCC, much less the FDA, much less the FDA, you're a moron. If you're a Democrat, I understand how you've been duped into believing those three-letter agencies are going to protect the little guy, but I wish you would grow up and mature in your worldview and understanding of politics and capture, regulatory capture, that those agencies have been captured by the entities that you 
used to perceive as the real enemy of the people, of the little guy. So we have the abolition of cash being the next phase of takeover. The next phase of destruction of private property, if you have any, and the next stage of the destruction of privacy and freedom, freedom of thought, freedom of conscience, freedom of action. That you could even, uh, you know, freedom of speech includes what you spend your money on. Not that it's your money when you're dealing with Federal Reserve notes, but you've heard all about the central bank digital currencies by now, CBDCs, and their intent to eliminate cash. How many of you have gone into stores where they don't take cash anymore? I've seen a few. In fact, there are signs uh, at places uh, like at the airport uh, yesterday. Was like, a, I think it was like a TGI Fridays. And I wanted to get uh, uh, some hot water for tea. And I saw the sign that says no cash accepted. You know, only digital stuff. Uh, you know, of course, credit card, debit card, that kind of thing. I ended up talking to a waiter and say, Hey, can you get me some tea? I gave him, I gave him a federal reserve note. I didn't, at that point I had, I'd given away a lot of my gold backs cause I want to see them in circulation. Cause I like to tip people in gold backs now, but I gave them a little bit to say, thank you for getting me the, the water and not worry about a digital thing. But there's an article here from the telegraph in the United Kingdom. And you guys listening on UK health radio, pay attention. Cash will become less usable as High street goes contactless, says Bank of England. Basically, they're, they're telegraphing what they're doing, making it less possible for you to have the ability to spend British pounds in paper, not pounds sterling, because I don't think the, the, the uh, silver is attached to it necessarily anymore. Real quick, one more article before I bring Scott Shara in here about this. The Defender is reporting that new instant digital payment system isn't CBDC, according to the feds. That's not what they're reporting. But critics say it's still all about control. The Federal Reserve pushed back against claims that its FedNow system is equivalent to a CBDC. But critics say the aim is the same, government control over the financial system. So the, the old Shakespearean in me thinks you protest too much. A CBDC by any other name is still that. In other words, eliminating privacy, complete trackability, traceability, and programmability ultimately where if they find that your social media construct says you don't approve of butchering children under the age of 18 to sex change them, which is not really all you're doing is mutilating them and then putting them on cancer-causing hormone therapies or, or puberty-blocking drugs, uh, you, you disagree with that as a policy. Suddenly, you, you can't spend your money under a CBDC system when they own and control everything. So don't let them get away with saying, well, this is not the same thing. It's an incremental step that proverbial slippery slope greased by the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank, the IMF and the World Bank, the real enemies of freedom on planet Earth. Yeah, Earth would be different. The planet would be different if we were all working in honest money and sound money. Would that be a bad thing? Well, our values would shift a bit, wouldn't they? And I'll leave it there for you guys to comment or question because I want to bring Scott Shera back into the mix. My good friend who's been doing extraordinary work. I'm humbled. Uh, to be able to call him friend and what he's doing on behalf of his daughter and her untimely passing. It's been extraordinary that the more I, I see this from the time and the trauma initially of learning of this story and, and, and Scott's been through it, still emotional, but the more I recognize the mission of Grace Shara is profound and it's already saving many lives and it will save many lives moving forward. And God bless you, Scott Shara, for carrying on the mission of your daughter. 
Well, it's a, it's a gift to be able to do it. I'm humbled to be able to do it. I, I can't believe I'm being used. Uh, you know, why would God pick a dummy like me? <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I know you have also self-deprecating humor, uh, <laughs> but you're a real guy. You're a great guy. And yes, you're as flawed as any of us. And I'm not picking on you by saying that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We all have that, but it's it's good to be able to laugh in the midst of you know these tragedies. And you have, you've cried, we've cried, you've laughed as well. And uh, it's extraordinary the reach that's happening. And grace is still a very much alive and well with us all. Well, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I I you know just listening to what you just said about money, you know, this is it's interesting because that is um, money is behind ultimately the grease that that killed grace but then you look at how did they even set it up you know they have convinced most of society in the principle of collectivism mm -hmm. and so as opposed to individualism so that means we've got to do things for the good of society and so people before covid there were 62 million americans on medicare and medicaid those population groups accounted for 39 percent of the budget federal budget well now that number has gone up to 100 million so it's 50 percent of the budget so in the spirit of collectivism, I mean, we've got to balance a budget, right? Well, I mean, this whole thing that, you know, what, how I get back to the money is we don't even have money. It's all a fiat currency. So that is such a big lie that we have to balance the budget. You know, how do you balance it with a fiat currency? It's impossible. And yet they use that as the excuse mm -hmm. to implement this whole collectivism agenda that yeah. is being sold hook, line, and sinker to to the population. Yeah, to, to your point, how do you discharge debt with more debt, right? Yeah, it's, it. but people, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, it's this, you know, so the it, it, when I had you on my podcast, we talked about briefly, you know, the, the, the whole taxation system. You know, what is the purpose of that? You know, we saw that, you know, during COVID, most people aren't paying taxes. Did anything shut down? No, I mean, nothing shut down. And so the whole tax system is simply about us being obedient to a false system. Yes, um, enslaving mankind to a, an ungodly system, I would say. Now, I am a freedom guy. I'm not here to stop you from making choices that I disagree with. And I'm not talking about you specifically, Scott, but anybody. Uh, this is freedom. Uh, God gave us freedom in addition to life. Yet our systems have been set up and have been corrupted uh, because we have the freedom to do that. And I think I think we do that so we can learn from our mistakes because that's the best way I've learned in my lifetime. Now, you know, I can learn from other people's mistakes, thankfully, as I've matured, I've kind of that, well, I don't want to make that mistake. I can see where that, eh, you put it to, and so I don't have to do that. But there are people, yeah. myself included, that have been stubborn enough to go, no, no, I got to figure this out. I'm going to do it better. And then you find out, oh, no, no, that's just the wrong thing to do. But that's the journey we're on. And you know, seeing about the hospital system and all that it had done to Grace and what's happening even today with the, you know, un, uh, unlawful DNRs being put on do not resuscitate, which they put on Grace. No family member, you nor anybody in your family said, hey, put a DNR on my daughter. Do not resuscitate. And, and you know, that led to, you know, start pulling these strings. And it's like, how many layers of death induction machinery did you discover in that one hospital in Appleton that are being duplicated elsewhere? Right. I mean, that is um, by far and away the biggest research that will help people wake up. You know, as you know, Robert, I've become a full-time advocate. And as an advocate, that means you know, I'm, I'm uh, telling the story, of course, but 
as important is the research so that you can you can prove this stuff out and one of the biggest pieces of research that i uncovered i mean it's obviously was there for anybody to uncover but is the euthanasia agenda that you know ultimately the euthanasia agenda has uh, you know covid simply exposed it it has been alive and well for going on 50 years and you know co it was codified with obamacare and then covid exposed it and I really would like to dive into a few of those documents so people can understand what I'm talking about. So this isn't just a dad saying, you know, my daughter was euthanized. You know, so when you look at how Grace was taken out, you know, her last day on earth was October 13th of 2013 or not 2013, 2021, you know, mm -hmm. Grace was 19 years old. She had Down syndrome. A reporter asked me last week, do you think that Grace uh, was killed because she had Down syndrome? I said, yes, I do. And she said to me, are you a conspiracy theorist? And I said, well, people like you would label me that to discredit what, what I have to say. But I'm going, I was on the phone with her. I said, I'm gonna email you a couple of documents because I have the proof. And so I emailed her some documents and it shook her enough that she's physically coming to, to, to my office mm -hmm. um, at my shop this coming Friday to interview me. Wow. Uh, and I told her bluntly, I said, if you do your job on this interview, you will be fired because you work for a liberal newspaper and they do not want out what I have to say. Uh, but I have all the proof. So you, let's just dig into it. So, you know, you remember, Robert, when, you know, you and I first met, it was, uh, you know, via this show, I think 14 months ago already. You know, and at that time, I had already discovered that the 22 doctor's reports that were written in Grace's seven days in the hospital listed that she had Down syndrome 36 different times. So you could just say, well, that's just a coincidence. Okay, and I get that. I mean, it's circumstantial evidence, but let's keep going. You know, so then I found a document that, this is a training document. So this is written by two MDs. It's from the, <clears throat> the Palliative Care Network of Wisconsin. This is, and the title is Palliative Care for Patients with Down Syndrome. So we already know that Down Syndrome people in the United States are aborted at the rate of 67%. So this document, remember this is a training document. You have it up on the screen. This is a training document for physicians written by two physicians. So the first thing they do is they lay out all the crazy stuff that Down Syndrome people have that most of the population does not have. So they're setting up, I mean, these people, I mean, look at all the problems they have. Okay, so that's their, they're open. Then they, they set up the close with saying, the lifelong toll on families is high. Part of a robust plan of care includes acknowledgement of this toll by healthcare workers. Well, guess, guess what the toll of Grace's life on our family was? She made us better as a family because she demonstrated God's love the way that we're supposed to. You know, so there was no lifelong toll, but you see, they set this up with all the negative and then the healthcare worker needs to acknowledge the lifetime toll on the, the family. Like the family's gonna be happy when this disabled person is out of their life. Then the clincher, it says, whenever possible, decision makers for people with Down syndrome should be encouraged to use substituted judgment to make key palliative care decisions. All efforts should be made to determine the preferences of the patient. However, because of lifelong cognitive impairment, the views of the person with Down syndrome may not be known. Okay, we'll process that. I know what the view of every single Down syndrome person on the planet is. They want to live. 
same as you want to live, the same as I want to live. So this is a crack of BS. Mm -hmm. And yet this is the training document. So this is the boots on the ground stuff that the principle of collectivism has literally at the ground game level. Okay, so let's let's go up a level. Where does this even come from? How is this possible? How is it possible that this could be a training document? Well, Obamacare was passed on March 23rd of 2010. Mm -hmm. And Ezekiel Emanuel, who you know well, uh, he was the chief architect. So his he was hired for putting this document together. And, and a quote from him from 1996, which this frames the entire Obamacare, says service, his quote is, services provided to individuals who are irreversibly prevented from being or becoming participating citizens are not basic and should not be guaranteed. So you think, well, that doesn't apply to me. Well, I'm telling you, this is going, that statement applies to every single one of us sometime in our life. We had almost 1.2 million Americans who have been murdered in hospitals in the in the uh, 36 or 37 months that the public health emergency was up for COVID. Okay, so the the statistically the number one um, uh, group of people who was murdered was the elderly. Number two is the disabled. Again, under the spirit of collectivism, which is codified in Obamacare's law. They crossed the T's and dotted the I's. Okay, I'm going to drill it down now. This is, you can look this up yourself. This is on page uh, 141, section 1553. I didn't send this to you. This is literally out of Obamacare. Section 1553, the title of 1553 says, Prohibition Against Discrimination on assisted suicide. That's the title of the section. The section goes on to say that <clears throat> the federal government, any state or healthcare provider cannot may, may not subject an individual or institutional healthcare facility to discrimination on the basis of that, that that entity does not provide any healthcare item or service furnishes furnished for the purpose of causing or for the purpose of assisting in causing the death of any individual, such as by assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy killing. So they're telling you we're, they're going to kill us that way, by assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy killing. But if there is a doctor institution who has a conscience, the government can't discriminate against them if they don't follow suit. I mean, you can't wrap your head around this stuff. I mean, these are smoking gun beyond smoking gun. And, you know, so this is, so then I, I say, was Grace killed because she has Down syndrome? Well, now you look at the facts and circumstances surrounding her death. I mean, they gave her Presidex, lorazepam, and morphine in 29 minutes. They put an illegal do not resuscitate order on her. Um, I know the story, and each time you the, tell it, it's still... It sounds like it's got to be a science fiction murder, you know, story for the movies. And yet it actually happened. And, and I got a comment from our friend Susie right now. She's talking about this. She said, I've heard this many times. The child that is seen as disabled is a burden to the family, but no one asked the family. We love our children. They are our greatest blessings and teachers. And and yet, you know, the, the collectivist says, oh, no, no, no. They're a burden to your, you and society. We don't care what you think or what you love doesn't play into any of it. Life doesn't play into any of it. It's inconvenient. Uh, we've established a way to support and defend and protect the people who would murder the undesirables. You know, as we talk about it, you know, from a, a Third Reich perspective where um, 
it is it's it's stunning to to see the the reality as you're digging this deep on it scott i mean this is not you coming up with opinion you're going into exactly what is said what is written for anybody else to see if they just research it the way you are well that's exactly right i mean it is out there for anybody to see and you know that's why i'm i'm thankful that we're able to file this lawsuit because you know the the doctors and nurses during World War II didn't have to face justice until the Nuremberg trials. Well, we're in the middle of World War III right now. Most of the population has no concept that we're in it, but we are in it. And that's why I'm thankful to be filing a landmark case. Uh, it's the first of its kind for a lot of different reasons, um, but two that I want to go into. Uh, number one is that we are uh, in addition to suing the hospitals, we're suing five doctors and two nurses. And the reason is, is because we, these people cannot be hide behind policy or orders. That's not acceptable. They made choices. And so I do, you know, I personally, I want each one of them to repent. I don't want anybody to spend eternity in hell. So I want them to repent, but that's different than consequence for choice mm -hmm. and justice. They did something that was wrong they killed my daughter and they need to be held to account. And it isn't just them. Like I said, there's almost 1.2 million Americans that this happened to during, I'll call it the COVID era. I mean, I, I hate even yeah. saying that, but um, you know, so these people all need to get justice. And it, this case shows a pattern, you know, we filed it. So now it's public record. We filed it a certain way. It's 23 pages long. So people can use it as a script to file their own case. They can see the model as to mm -hmm. how we're doing it. Um, and we need to get this out. The reason I want to get on as many programs as possible is I want doctors and nurses to hear that this case was filed because by them realizing they're going to be held to account, that is one of the goals of this is to stop the behavior. And we don't have to have our day in court X number of years down the road to do that. If we can get this message out, we can have the individual doctors and nurses look in the mirror and say, holy cow, this mm -hmm. could be me. And so that's, you know, we're hoping for that, of course. And then the other thing that is, is real interesting and why you think, well, why is this a landmark case? What's the other reason? Well, it's because nobody else has filed the case. So what's the reason? You know, it isn't, it isn't something special. You know, Grace was special, no doubt about it. Uh, but there's plenty of stories that are worse than Grace's. But the, the state laws prevent you from filing. And so, you know, just you, you think about attorneys. Well, I mean, why, why don't attorneys take these cases on? Everybody thinks that it's like a car accident case where they're, they're chasing the ambulance. Well, there is no money in these cases. In Grace's case, Grace was a legal adult because she was 19. So my wife, Cindy, and I have no claim by state statute. So we had to open up an estate for Grace just mm -hmm. to file. And then we had to use our own money to file because the attorneys, what are you going to do? Hey, you're going to have a third of the proceeds. Well, guess what? A third of nothing is still nothing. So, I mean, that's, that's why no cases are being filed. And then to make matters even worse than that, and this, I never thought we'd file a case, Robert, because way back at the beginning, I met a, a partner in a 300-person law firm, and he, he understood Grace's case, and I, I shared the things with him. He said, Scott, this is a huge case. I got to introduce you to the best medical malpractice attorney in the state. So he did. 
And I talked with that gentleman and, and he said, Scott, even in slam dunk cases like this appears to be, we only have a one in 10 chance of winning. I said, you gotta be kidding me, what's the reason? And he said, I'll tell you a story that'll explain the reason. He said, I represented a family where the doctor sewed up a sponge inside the patient and we lost. I said, how is that possible? He said, well, I brought in 10 expert witnesses and they brought in a hundred. He said, they circle the wagons. And clearly that's gonna happen in this case. You can imagine we're going up against Ascension Hospital System. It is truly David versus Goliath. Ascension Hospital System has 30 billion in wow. cash reserves. They're the second largest nonprofit wow. hospital system in the United States, hiding behind the Catholic Scott, banner. In Wisconsin, so, I mean, you have the requirement before you can actually go, uh, you know, the suit can be filed, of course, but to actually engage in the suit, you have to go through some kind of mandated state mandated mediation. I'm curious as to when they go through that, uh, if they're going to say, hey, let's settle this, or if they're going to go, we're going to bury you because we have 30 billion in cash. Good luck. See you in court. Right. One of those, you know, that's another hoop. So it's another reason people don't file because there's mandatory mediation. And this is probably in other states too. So before, you know, we filed, so we filed for mandatory mediation on March 30th. The lawsuit was filed on April 11th. So, you know, we've got everything in place, but I mean, now we got to sit there and wait for the director of state courts to do this mediation. And, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, something's going to happen with that mediation that I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a prophet, so I don't know. I'm curious, obviously, out, to see how they're responding because, you know, you're also doing something that many of these cases have not done prior, you know, in their own way is to do the diligence without having to pay fully an attorney for all of it because you're doing a lot of this on your own dime, digging deep and bringing it to the attorney's attention because it would be an unfathomable expense if, you, if they're digging this stuff up. But on top of that, because of your passion and mission, thanks, you know, again, to Grace and, and uh, her untimely passing, what she's stimulating in so many of us uh, to tirelessly work to prevent this from happening to others. And in that sense, you're, well, in reality, you're reaching out. As you said, you're appearing on show after show after show. And even last week, I was heading uh, to my morning uh, kickboxing and I just tuned in to Glenn Beck's show, which occasionally I'll do. And you, I heard your voice immediately. I'm like, oh my gosh, Scott's on Glenn Beck's show. And Glenn Beck's been around for a long time. It's a huge audience, still on radio as well. And uh, it, it was, you were so clear and concise with your words. You were like a Jedi master with your ability to communicate at this point, because it's a lot of pressure, honestly. You didn't, if you were nervous, you didn't sound nervous. You responded very calmly to everything. Glenn, Glenn was, you know, because it was newer to him, you could feel the astonishment, the outrage that he was feeling and seeing with you. And you just delivered very calmly. But yes, we could feel the passion and emotion as well. And I, I imagine, and I hope and pray that there's been a good response from that, because that may be have been the biggest interview thus far in terms of audience size you've reached. Yeah, that was... Uh... There, there was one radio program that I was on that had, uh, uh, she has 1,200 stations. So I don't know. I mean, it would be between that one mm -hmm. and Glenn Beck were number one and two. And um, yeah, I mean, of course, I was super thankful. Uh, you know, my best preparation for something like that to mm -hmm. stay calm is to not over, um, not yes. overdo it. You know, you really can't study for an interview like that. You just, you know, you just be yourself. And you know, out of everything at the beginning, oh my gosh, early on, Robert, I was a nervous wreck mm -hmm. in these interviews. 
and now I just realize I know yes. the material. Yeah. yeah. So you, were, you know, I know the material. There's no reason to be getting right. work. No, done. and that's what that's what came through, and I'm so glad because you know the time that you have here and all of us have here, you know, is limited. We don't know how much many opportunities we have to do these things. And you are taking every every opportunity that you can to share this message and and to do so again calmly, succinctly as well. As much as you've been nervous in the past, you've gotten a lot of experience, and I've seen you uh, the, the proverbial growing up before my eyes in media and your capacity to you know communicate in these interviews. It just it's just makes me smile like a proud papa. <laughs> well. I, uh, I really appreciate that. I, uh, it has, you know, I, I never thought that this is, I mean, mm-hmm. I never thought this is what I'd be doing. Um, you know, I'm glad to be able to do it. I'm humbled that people want to have me on mm-hmm. their programs. Uh, you know, it is, it is, it is, you know, grace was, grace was special. And, um, She'll be joking about you being a medium age dog, learning new tricks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So early on, Jessica had said, uh, you know, after I think it was at my first interview was on mm-hmm. Newsmax. And so I'll just, because you said about being nervous and things, so I'll just share. I don't think I've ever shared this uh-huh. on the air yet. So my first interview on Newsmax, I think it was on December 13th of 2021. It was because it was the two-month anniversary of Grace's death. So they called me the week before. Um, Do you want to be on national TV? I said, no, but I have to be. I mean, this is important. So they send me a bunch of stuff about, you know, how to get set up and blah, blah, blah. So then I, you know, I really overstudied. I studied like crazy. I don't even know what I'm studying, right? So then I have my laptop set up. And I've got all these study notes taped all around mm-hmm. the laptop, right? So I got to make sure I say this. And, you know, you don't know what they're even going to ask you. You got yeah. six minutes. So you really have no idea. But I have all these notes. So now, you know, before the interview starts, you know, I got everything set up. You know, I, I have uh, one of these heart monitors that you know, I'm looking. Oh, my gosh, I'm at 125 beats a minute mm-hmm. sitting here, right? Then you, know, you got to pee about 14 times before <laughs> you get on. And. You know, so that, that all of a sudden the the producer, you know, he comes on. You know, I've got everything set up. Mm-hmm. He comes on. You know, this is like five minutes before mm-hmm. I'm going to go live. And he says, you've got to move back three feet. You're too close to the camera. Well, now I oh, can't no. see any of my notes. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. God did it. He did it. And um, surprisingly, as nervous as I was, it came across well mm-hmm. enough that we could use that clip that clip yeah. to help um, help people understand the story in, in six minutes. So pretty extraordinary. Pretty and a little behind the scenes look, I, and I know what you're talking about. Yeah. having been in media for now, many, many years, decades. In fact, now, can you tell us a little bit as, and I know you have some more interviews to do So I don't know how much longer we have you, but quickly the um, our amazing grace.net was the site we initially have been promoting. And you now have grace Shara.com and spelled S C H A R A um, differences, distinctions between the two sites. Yeah, so the the main site, ouramazinggrace.net, is still there, and it, they link back and forth. The two sites link, but the reason we put together gracesharea.com is because of the fact that um, we wanted to make sure that people could easily follow the story. So you'll see if you scroll down, I see you have it on the screen. You'll see that there's uh, it says "Stay Informed About Grace's Story and Legal Case." So you click on there. We want you to be able to track Updates the story here. and in the legal case. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think I click on the purple it, updates here, and then you. Can... Yep, you you click on that. Yep, and it goes right in your name, and and um, mm -hmm. it's it's really it's nice because then Jessica, my daughter, is sending mm -hmm. out regular updates, and um, you know that's what we're that's really what we're after right now. You could actually, if if you can play that clip, Robert, that that's right under that was the Fox News coverage that we had the day we we did the press conference the red button in the middle it's just about a minute long it's really good yeah I think Super Don has to rig that up I don't know tell me Super oh he has to do that. the family okay. of a freedom teen who died in October of 2021 plans to file a lawsuit against Ascension St. Elizabeth Hospital in Appleton and several of its health care providers Grace Scaras family claims that the doctors and nurses caring for the 19-year-old during a hospitalization more than a year ago violated her patient's rights when they listed her as a DNR, which means do not resuscitate without consent. They also say she was given a lethal cocktail of drugs that led to her death. And when family members asked for doctors to step in and save the young woman, they did not. The family filed paperwork today with the state, taking the first step toward a lawsuit they said will be filed soon. We not only hope and pray that justice will come for Grace, but also for the hundreds of thousands of lives stolen by this medical tyranny. These crimes against humanity must stop. They need to be held accountable for their actions. We have made several attempts to contact Ascension St. Elizabeth Hospital for comment on this matter. All of those requests have gone unanswered. Yeah, well, you got yeah. billions and they can't even answer the media's questions. Yeah, I was really happy with that. You know, you don't know what's going to happen when the local press comes to your events like that. Um, in the past, they have pulled certain things out of Grace's website. For example, the Department of Safety and Professional Services. That's the department that regulates the doctors and nurses licenses in Wisconsin. Well, they did a sham investigation and said the doctor did no wrong. Well, I have that posted on Grace's website. Well, the local media grabs that and says, well, see, the doctor didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> you know, but they don't know. You know, and and so you know they're trying to do what they call balanced coverage. So you never know what you're going to get. But I was I was really pleased with the coverage that Fox did. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I just want to I want to say one other thing before before I go, Robert, which yeah. is, you know, the one of the main responsibilities that came out of this. You know, this how do we even get in this fight? And then what is the responsibility? Well, we got in this fight because when the day Grace died, one of the nurses walked out with Cindy and had Grace's belongings on a cart. And she said, me and several of the nurses don't think Grace should have died today. So then I went into the hospital three days later. I just about died. We get all the records then after I get out. And by November 8th, I had a doctor help me review the records. We knew Grace was killed. And so my biblical responsibility is to meet with the people who did this. So I, I requested on November 8th a meeting with the hospital CEO and the doctor. On December 2nd, they refused. They sent me an email back saying, we're not going to meet with you. So we saw that as opening up the door, God opening up the door for us that we should jump into this, this uh, story and share it. At that time, I had no idea that 
there was an agenda. I didn't know about euthanasia agenda. I didn't know about the Obamacare codification of that agenda. I didn't know about the parallels with the Holocaust. I didn't know that we're in World War III. I mean, I didn't know any of that. But now I see it all, and you know, you can't stop sharing it. You know, once you see this, you you know, I have a passion for it. And you know, guys like you have been the fight for for decades. Vera, who's been in the fight for decades, you know, I really look up to you guys. And because I've only been in this for 14, 15 months. And you know, I I just am so on fire for it, I can't stop. Mm -hmm. And it, I just wanted to explain how we got in this. And you know, you have a you know, I mean, you know, we end up having a responsibility to shine light, God's light mm -hmm. on evil. And you know, the verse that I I that always comes to me when I see what happened to Grace is Genesis 50, 20, which I want to read in closing. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And Cindy and I literally rescued a man in November out of the hospital. Physically, we removed him, a disabled man. He called me at Christmas, said, Scott, I get to celebrate Christmas because Grace died. Lappleton, his disabled son was in St. Elizabeth's Hospital. And he said, because of what you've done, your billboards are up and I dug into what you're saying. He said, my wife and I were not allowed to be in the room with him. And then all of a sudden the doctor called, they wanted to put him on remdesivir. And we went and got him out of the hospital. And he's alive because of what of, of Grace dying. Mm -hmm. So this is this right. is a big deal. You know, I just Those I cannot just I cannot share it enough. Yeah, those are just some of the lives we know that Grace has saved and working through her dad, you, Scott, and your family and others that are supporting you. Uh, are you going to be with us in Nashville, Tennessee next weekend? God willing, I am. Yes. Okay. Well, so I'll look, look forward to seeing you then, Robert. Yeah, great big hugs to you and the whole family. And uh, I don't have to say keep going. I know you're going. I'm just here to support you in any way I can. And you're always welcome here, my friend. You know that. I, I know. You have been, you, you personally have been a, uh, absolute blessing to our family. Oh, well, you, you have blessed us as well. And from the tragedy, as you said, God is making sure that Grace's life uh, was uh, everything that we had hoped it would be and more, even though it was cut short, but for such a greater purpose that we could never have perceived at the time. And now we're, we're witnessing it and living through it as difficult as it may be to lose her. Um, her spirit is, is so, so strong so powerful that it's reaching into places again we may never know all the lives that she's saving yeah i i agree i'm uh i'm really thankful to to be part of this you know i knew i know now i mean i know god is sovereign so god had other plans and you know i'm starting to see some of them the fruit of some of them now which is yeah. it's, it's uh it's neat to be part of it yeah all right scott well you take care and and i know you're gonna do great on those other interviews and and I know we'll be staying in touch. Super Don is working with you on your podcast, which is sensational as well. The interviews you're doing are amazing. Uh, so I'm so grateful that you're not only telling your story, but helping others to tell theirs too. What a way to pay it forward. Well, thanks, Robert. I'll see you, see you next week. All right, Scott. Take care, buddy. Wow. Scott Shera on board here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Check out, uh, check out graceshera.com, S-C-H-A-R-A, -A, uh, to keep in touch and, and learn about what's going on there. And uh, people are going through things. We've all been going through things through our whole entire life cycle. But when a young person like Grace, who has uh, you know experienced such love and brought such love to her family, 
is taken out in this way. Uh, God is not wasting a thing. And of course it is up to us to then take that and, and, and share that. And that's what's happening here. So I'm grateful to be any small part to help reach anybody to protect and save them as well. So thank you again. All right, Super Don, we got the links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. There is another story here uh, about this, uh, just as an add-on that you guys can read about. And it was similar to the video we just played about uh, the family suing the Appleton Hospital after the, you know, after Grace's uh, passing, untimely passing. I think there's also another thing about DNRs, if I'm not mistaken. Was there an unprecedented number, I think? Um, yeah, here's the story. Uh, unprecedented number of DNR orders for learning disabilities patients. This is at Healthcare Leaders HSJ website out of the United Kingdom, once again, the UK. So this is going global. When, we, when Vera Sharab says never again has gone global, uh, we're talking about Nazi-type atrocities. And I know the term Nazi is offensive to say, uh, but it's historically accurate in terms of what they did to not only minorities, um, people of various faiths, but also children who were born with what we call disabilities uh, or at the time. And um, they haven't given up on this eugenics agenda. Learning disability and mental health service provider says it's still receiving unlawful do not resuscitate orders. Hospitals and GPs were told earlier this month, learning disabilities should not be used as a reason to apply DNR. However, provider says it has received further orders it suspects to be unlawful. And again, going back to what Scott read us from the, the, the hidden written words that you could dig and find in Obamacare, that they wanted to make sure that uh, euthanasia was part and parcel to what could be and what could be, uh, uh, you know, institutionalized, if you will, made normal, a normal part of the so-called healthcare system. And how killing people is part of healthcare, uh, I don't understand. And I and I get that there is a small segment of humanity that may go through something so intractable, so devastating, so painful, so uh, relentless. You know that there are people that either take themselves out or beg for that kind of removal from life because of the suffering is just too much. But to institutionalize within a healthcare setting, to have doctors making their very living off of killing. Now, whether it's overt or covert, we know that, at least you know by listening to this show, that modern medicine and all of its trappings, the monopoly medicine practices that it has, is the third, second, or first leading cause of death in the West, in America in particular. And that's not impressive unless at some point it's part of your intention. And I get that many docs and nurses were unaware of this, but you can no longer operate in that unconscious state. It's become too obvious. I recognize that not everybody listened to this show over the 24 years I've been broadcasting or read, you know, John Rappaport's great uh, opinion pieces and writings and, and research on these subjects or others that I featured here on this show. But at a certain point, it is plausibly well, let's say implausibly, implausibly deniable. In other words, it's not plausible to deny these realities, as harsh as they are to look at, as difficult as they are to investigate and learn about. I had to go through this grand disillusionment many, many years ago, and it, it shook me to the core. I've described times where I was hiding under my covers, not like a cartoon figurative. I mean, actually, I didn't want to come out the things I was learning, how horrific some things are on this planet. What human beings, so-called human beings are willing to do to other human beings. 
they, they utilize our unwillingness and, 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 and how awful it is to even look at it against us. Because if we would never do it, no one else would. But that is a position, a dangerous position of naivete where we do lose loved ones. And I know, again, as we heard this hour, Scott Shara and his daughter Grace are making sure that any level of naivete is, is, is removed so that now we can call it out for what it is and ask or guide those to repent before it's too late of their, if you want to say sins or choices resulting in the, in this, you know, horrific death machine continuing on today, this very day, even as the things that are pointed out, I, I would say they're undeniable. They're right there in black and white in these various uh, documents. All right, Super D, we got a few more minutes or not too long before we go into the bonus round. And I know we've got some uh, listener comments and things, and maybe there's some other things in the, in the chat room here as we're gearing up for the uh, Be Healthy Utah event uh, Friday and Saturday. As I said, last chance, I'm going to ask you if you want free tickets to the Be Healthy Utah event Friday, Saturday, the 21st, 22nd uh, this month, uh, you must send to SuperDon, askrsb at gmail.com. Put like free tickets, something along the lines, free tickets in the subject matter. And I will reserve a few for you. Otherwise, I, I've got a list of people I'm going to be giving it away to. Uh, and and I want everybody to. And even if you don't, there's a, a discount code, I think, like RSB40 or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's great discounts, yep. including those of you that are not coming to Utah for that event, that you can watch. It's, I think it's Bell 40. Is oh, Bell what it is. 40. Yeah. So uh, if you want to watch the, the event later online in the comfort of your own home, have access to all of the lectures. Uh, you can get 40% off with the code Bell40. So check out the banner, upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com. Yep. Well, we do have a uh, question of the day we didn't get to. Oh, I missed one? Where did that yeah. go? How did I miss that? I didn't remember there was a second one. There's a second. Oh, you're right. Look at that. Way down at the bottom from Jared. So we could do that in bonus time. And Oh, it's a good one. I got an email. You did from from I'm old fashioned. I still print stuff out. I love it. You got paper. Um, yeah, from Lorelai. Can, can you say it like Rush Limbaugh did? Because it's truthful for you too. In my formerly nicotine stained fingers, I have here right an email from there you go. loyal listener Lorelai. Okay. Um. Yeah. So she's got some things here. Uh. It, it, it's. I. I think it's kind of fun. Okay. Uh, she says she's not able to be in the chat room, mm. but she talks back, back to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's got a list of things here. She wanted to get off her chest about some things that we've talked about here in the, in the recent past. So okay. we'll get to that as well in the bonus time. Also in this uh, question of the day from Jared, it goes to what do you do instead of Tylenol for children's fevers if you need to do anything? So stand by for that when we come back from this break, 60 seconds or so from now. A blip if you're listening to the podcast later. Shout out to you guys and gals on UK Health Radio. We appreciate you being here. And, uh, well, we've got a lot more to do. It's bonus round coming up after this because the power to heal is yours. Oh, I can't man. help but want to dance when I hear that music. It's just it's such a... I hyperextended the ligament in my right top. What is the, the ligament in the top of your foot? Like, you know, that you, you could bend it. Yeah. And, and so, it, you know, I'm getting so good with powerful roundhouse kick, Super Don. It's amazing. I'm amazing myself. I'm like, dude, wow. when I was trying to do that, I tried to do it without falling down. 
Now I can, because there are people in there, like particularly some of these ladies that can know they can kickbox, right? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I wish I could kick like that. And so I guess it's starting to happen where I had um, one of the ladies that impresses me came up after like one of the rounds. It was last week. She says, boy, yeah, you're starting to kick really well. It, I forget the exact term, but it was like, I was very happy to hear. I was like, dude, I was nice. feeling it, but I'm not sure. But, but there was a, a, an exercise this morning where you, I think you did a, a front kick and a round kick, or is it a, be a side kick and a round kick? And so what happens, even the heavy bag, it moves. So, and I don't, you know, after round two, I take my glasses off. So I can't see really well because, you know, a lot of the, after round two, you're ending up a lot of, you know, using the gloves and, and, you know, I can knock my own glasses off much less other people, but the, the so you kick the bag and the bag's going to move. And then you do a, then you move into a roundhouse or, or however they call it a kick. And I, I think the bag was a little too far away. So it, it hit like more at the, the end of the foot. So it kind of, with that force stretched it in a way where I'm like, oh. mm. so I need some Arnica. So are you kind of limping a little bit? Little favoring bit. it yeah favoring it a little bit so i feel it and i'm like it'll it'll recover fast but i just uh was acknowledging the the injury that i got to be careful with now for this week <sighs> anyway uh that's my uh travails in the kickboxing uh ring so to speak okay so yeah. basically what you were saying is that if somebody told you that you kick like a girl that would be a compliment yes in this gym right. would be. yeah no All i'm right. totally not not a problem gotcha. I, wish, I wish i could kick like some of these girls kick because they're <laughs> awesome but i'm getting there it's getting good getting good uh okay so, so have a question of the day we also have laurelized which one should we do first let's do jared first okay so all right a few questions i want to get my daughter tested to see if she has any allergies food or otherwise which you suggested could be one of the reasons why she gets ear infections uh, can we go to any reputable homeopathic center in our area or do you recommend a specific place to go? What test? I apologize. Do I, do, do I know where Jared lives? I'm not sure where Jared's at place? actually. Yeah. I, it yeah. would be helpful to know Jared. To Let us know up. Jared. Yeah. If we can find someplace local now in terms of allergy, uh, there, there are a number of ways that you can self test without going into, you know, um, a great number of, uh, what we call it well, expensive testing or doctors. And I'm not saying there's no place and, you know, no role that could help, but let's just say you wanting to self-test, you could expose, uh, you know, a suspected allergen or ingest a food that you suspect your daughter's allergic to. And, you know, it's, it's a monitoring of, of even pulse rates if you're sensitive enough to do this, much less blood pressure, because it will shift upon exposure to an allergen that's a trigger for you or your daughter in this case. And, and it might be something you're not comfortable doing. There are other um, non-invasive methods of testing for allergies, including a system known as applied kinesiology, AK, or some call it muscle testing. The only concern I have, Super D, for muscle testing, you've seen this, I think, haven't you, where pe people will, you know, do that test, you know, hold them. And it's the craziest thing. The first time you ever see it, you're like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. But many of you in this audience, it's like old hat, you know, it, and some of you even are, a, are very adept at doing it. The only concern I have ever for that form of testing is if the tester is also invested in selling you things that match up to the whatever's te being tested, there's an inherent energetic conflict of interest that's problematic to me. This is my perspective. So if somebody's just an independent tester that's, you know, I'm checking you and it doesn't profit from what happens after the test. Then I'm I'm more inclined yeah, to go. Sense. It's more accurate, right? Yeah. But then there are blood markers. And when I was a kid, taken to my my uncle's buddy who went to medical school with him an allergist 
poked a hundred holes in my back and almost all of them swelled up. And then that started me on 10 years of allergy shots and drugs and on and on. And nothing was done to address the real cause, which was liver congestion, digestive abnormalities or metabolic deficiencies in terms of assimilation, et cetera. So in terms of healing anybody, including your daughter with allergies, it's the liver and the gut, the liver and the gut, the liver and the gut. And how do you do that? All the things we talk about homeopathically is the simplest way. Uh, from mineral perspective, even canjest can be given to kids, just depending on how old they are, how much you give them. Level teaspoon for an adult per dose in warm water, three, maybe four times a day. Second question here. I heard you say not to give children Tylenol for fevers because it destroys the liver. Is there a dosage of belladonna, which is one word, homeopathic, that you recommend for children under four years and under 35 pounds with a fever of 104 Fahrenheit? Okay, so when you're dealing with kids under four, uh, or under 35 pounds, you know, dosing homeopathy is not like dosing even an herb. It's not quantitative per se, right? If you have a, a liquid homeopathic, you know, if you're giving 10 drops to an adult, you might only need two or three drops for a kid. But it, even if you gave 10 drops, it's not dangerous. Or in the case of homeopathic medicated pellets, the little sucrose lactose uh, pellets like BBs, there the outer coating is is basically where the remedy is held. You put it in their mouth, they can even spit it out after a few seconds if it mixes with their saliva. Again, one, two, or three pellets per dose. How often, if you have a fever of 104, that, I argue, is not necessarily dangerous for a child. Obviously, it's a concerning fever, 104. Uh, but to suppress it with a drug, I don't think it's at that level where you could argue, well, yes, we need to risk killing the liver. I'd say that's borderline, though, right? Yeah. I mean, you get much higher than that, and then you're starting to... Yeah, I mean, the concern is any brain damage or injury yeah. from overheating that. And so there are other means by which is, I'm arguing that you could safely lower uh, the temperature, even cool compresses, et cetera, along the head. Uh, you know, extreme examples are the, you know, the cold plunges that they would make kids do. And that's traumatic as all get out to put them in a pool of or a bathtub of ice, ice water. Yeah. But I, I, you can understand if it's a real critical thing. But again, 104 is right on the edge there. But homeopathic belladonna, if you have a 10X, a 15X, a 12X, a 12C, a 30X, a 30C, whatever you got, the right remedy is more important than the right potency. Arguably, the right potency is only determined by your clinical experience. You know, did it work? Did it not? What do you assess there? Frequency of dosing, a lower potency or attenuation more frequently than less frequently as improvement is in evidence. And, you know, I've seen giving a belladonna to a kid with a 99, which is really not a fever, right? And then it bumps it up to a 102, 103. You're like, well, what did that? Did the, the homeopathic remedy cause the fever? No. It facilitated a powerful healing response, and the healing response includes fever. That's part of recovery. It's not a bad thing. Obviously, again, if it goes to a dangerously high level, which we, you know, we freak out at 102, 103, 1035, even, and it's not. You know, I've seen kids outside playing with a 103 fever. Oh, yeah, I have too. Yeah, they're not as fast as they are normally, but again, that, what does that tell you? <laughs> they're not dying. Yeah. Now, uh, homeopathically, as an adult, I you know I I go phosphorus, even ferrum phosph, but yes, belladonna is the first go-to for kids. And if they're above four years of age and 34, 35 pounds, again, it's it's not much different because it's it's an energetic introduction as opposed to a quantitative issue. So if you want to use three to five pellets or five to six drops or seven or eight drops, that's fine. Um, but it is, again, it's different than quantitative introduction of substance like herbs or even drugs or other uh, medicines or supplements. Okay. I purchased a water distiller and we have been drinking distilled water exclusively since 2018 because of its purity. 
We feel good on this water, but are always looking for better options. Have you found a better water for health? What water does your family drink? Okay. So the distilling of water is kind of like the you know, perception I have is of dead water. And so we say, was water really alive? Well, in the sense of electrical conductivity, you know, the ability to have trace elements within it. And I'm not talking about pollution elements. I'm talking about trace elements. You know, there's a, there's a life to water. We know water carries information as we do in homeopathy. Uh, so for me, distilled water is not something to utilize on a regular basis. Some argue that it will rob you of, of all your minerals. I don't know how definitive that would be at, and at what level that would be arguably true, but I don't tend to drink distilled water. That can be other uses for distilled water. Uh, but to utilize purified or filtered water, important from a tap perspective to remove a heavy metals contaminants and pesticide residues, as well as fluoride and chloride or chlorine, the halides. And we utilize the echo water filtration system that I've been using for 15 plus years now. I mean, ever since I've known you, Super Don, I think we've had access to that. Uh, buddy Paul Baratero has uh, echo water, um, echo H2O. And they have whole house filtration systems as well as point of use under sink and, and on top of sink. And for those of you who have adequate water filtration, you can add on a server that produces molecular hydrogen. Some of those uh, systems have that already included. So you're going to get pure water. Some of them have RO systems set up beforehand. Others are just filtration. Ours is just filtration and then leading to the molecular hydrogen dissolved into it. And others have the Echo Go, which is uh, you use clean water and you put it in there and it'll uh, dissolve hydrogen into it as a medicinal water and antioxidant water. So that's what I use. Check out Echo Water. Uh, Super D, do we still have a link to that? Do we have updated links? Because I know he changed things. Yeah, I'll have to check, I'll have to check on that. I think it's echoh2o.com. Yeah. So if we have a link to that, yeah. just eventually hook it up. And that's what yep. I would do, Jared. Another question. Jared's all over the questions. All today. over the place. Now, when my child has gotten sick, she hasn't wanted to eat. We let her fast when her body feels it needs to. Oh, that's interesting. No, no, Jerry, that's good. Uh, but then he says, I would like for her to fast 24 hours once a month to help detox her body. Is this a good idea for a child who is off of the breast and eating solid foods exclusively? If not, at what age would you recommend this? Wow. I've never had that question come in, Super D. That's an interesting mm. question. I'll tell you, my sense about this is the first part where the child is not eating and it's more or less closely aligned with listening to the cells of her body. She knows it's not time to eat. So she's fasting during sickness and they let her, they don't force her to eat. And I think that's intelligent. Now, in terms of <clears throat> forcing a young child to fast. <laughs> now here's where we start getting into an interesting yeah. place. I think. Because, I, I think yeah. I, yeah. I, I think I go, I would take it to a place of intellectual capacity to understand the purpose of a fast. And if they're not ready to understand that intellectually, to put them through it when they have uh, a genuine hunger that they want to eat. I don't know that that would be optimal. In fact, they might rebel against that for the rest of their life. Jared doesn't say the age of the child here, right? No, no. It's just asking, yeah. you know, at what age or whatever, but yeah. you know, in this case, uh, young, it seems like because off the breast and eating solid foods doesn't sound like very old, right? I so, would be concerned about the whole thing. Cause you know, I mean, in today's day and age, especially, mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if this child is of school age, mm -hmm. the last thing you want to do is, is, you know, tell this, tell this kid, oh, oh no, nah, you can't eat today. No, I know you're hungry, but you can't eat. You have to wait. 
for t- until tomorrow oh, to yeah, eat, and then that kid goes to school. He tells, you know, tells the teacher, "Oh, my dad won't feed me. I'm hungry, and he won't let me eat." You know, that just opened up a whole can of worms. Now, I would say this, and what I've taught my children about listening to their body signals, right, including even hunger signals. You know, they pretty much understand that early on when they're asking for the breast, right? They're breastfeeding, and in that context, I wouldn't say necessarily dictate to them when they should eat because there might be a natural what we call intermittent fast when they're active and not even thinking about it and then later they're hungry and they want to eat uh so having them learn to listen to their body i think is a profound opportunity to teach them something make it their idea kids love that kind of thing when you make it their idea you Mm -hmm. know and if it's something where you know they don't want to personally i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just that's, that's a it's got to, I, I think it's got to be something that they want, want to do. I think if, if what you're wanting to do is have them detox, I think there are other ways that you could do that that wouldn't require mm-hmm. uh, withholding food from them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good so, question, anyway. Jared. Follow up on any of that. Happy to do that. Really good insights and thoughts and questions. Thank you for that. So Lorelai wrote a letter to you, Super Don. Lorelai did. So I'm going to honor that. I actually got this as, uh, last week, but we had, you know, we had the weekend. So, uh, anyway, so Lorelai says, I'm not able to, uh, be in the chat room, but I do talk back to the podcast. It's time to send a few of those comments to you so I can stop keeping them in my head. So here we go. I'm getting nervous here. Here we go. So, uh, Lorelai says, you still have to mow your lawn if you have goats. Really, uh, we, we must have been talking about goats and yeah. them Are, eating the lawn, in the grass, or something. Wait, wait, wait! I got a question. What if you have enough goats? Is it a matter of the number I, of goats? I don't know. I don't know. Here's, but here's what she says. She says you still have to mow your lawn if you have goats. Goats mm-hmm. are brush clearing and usually eat more of the woody growth uh, at head level or higher. On occasion, I've seen goats graze, but for lawn mowing, you are better off with sheep. Sheep. Okay. There you go. Or cows, maybe sheep um yeah okay all right cool so that was point number one yeah uh number two yeah a listener asked about a story where someone healed a family member with a brain injury Mm. you came up with one in the archives but i was thinking about lourdes lavoie Ooh, yeah also had a story about healing her daughter with a brain injury with high dose uh high dose fish oil yeah well, you know, our story that we had heard and we'd reported on from a doctor and, and Stuart Tomp was high dose fish oil and high dose CBD combination. But yeah. yes, many years before that, we covered stories of miraculous uh, brain injury recoveries with high dose fish oil alone. I think right. it's the CBD is a plus factor in that regard. Does that make sense? So yep. I'm not disagreeing. I think it's, yes, important as well. Good memory there. Yeah. Appreciate that. Good. All right. Uh, number three, Lorelai says, yes, we would like the Amish chicken recipe. Oh, that's, That's right. your wife. I got to dig that back up. I put that, that out. In fact, I think it was in the show notes. I, I think, think I actually put it in the show notes at the first time. I have to go find should, that again. You should put it just up for our, our uh, patron supporters. I'll put, well, and Lorelai's one of them. I know. She would yeah. get it. Yeah. Uh, she says, any recipe that makes a grown man moan with pleasure is <laughs> one that we should have. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Lorelai. So smart. You go on top of things. Uh, it's good stuff. It is. Uh, Lorelai's awesome. It is. All right. So yeah, I'll find that. I'll find that for you, you guys. And all. One we also have at the AMAs, y'all. If you're not part of the patron support crowd, dude, it's as little as five bucks a month. You can pay a year in advance, whatever. Um, and we give away lots of fun stuff too. 
Yes, we and do. So I finally got that thing out to Canada. Uh, I sent a personal, actually two folks needed homeopathic uh, remedies that uh, I had still in my stock, so to speak, in my uh, pharmacy. And I sent one out. Actually, and then we finally got the, I, I for some reason, we had lost the name of whoever it was going to in Canada. And I think they'll let it through. Like you could send an individual, like one remedy without a problem. But um, anyway, hopefully that, we'll find out if it arrived before the next AMA. All right. All right. So yes. What's the link for that? What link? The link to the recipe? Oh, I don't have a link. I, I Listen, I just have to find it again. Um, I, I'm thinking maybe. Uh, I, or it might be the link to Patreon. Oh, well, Patreon is a banner on the website. You can find that on the right-hand side. It just says Patreon. The recipe, I'll, I'll find it, and I'll, I'll put it up. Uh, I just dropped up. it in, too. Okay. In the chat room. All right, so next, next in line here from Lorelai. You mentioned your grandchild with autism taking the Zeolite product for a few months and that it helped very much. Did the improvements hold after he stopped taking it? Wonder why he stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, the improvements, as far as I know, uh, d- there wasn't any regression on that. Nice. Why he stopped, um, I have only so much influence over my daughter. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I mean, she's going to do what she's going to do, but during the time for several months that he did take it, um, she, there was noticeable improvement on his cognitive abilities and his learning. It was accelerated. Um, and so that was very promising. She has all the information and the ability to get it. And so mm-hmm. as far as I know, she probably, I don't know that she's still doing it. Um, yeah. This is Juliana, by the way. Yes. 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 So anyway, all right, next one. Uh, this is about Doug Hines. We had Doug Hines on, mm-hmm. uh, on the 24th. If Doug Hines wants someone to make his poem into a song, I can do that. Oh, that's really cool. Well, how do we reach out to Doug and connect him with Lorelai? I've got his information. I mean, okay. his email address. So maybe I'll, uh, I'll I'll let Doug know that that Lorelai would like to make his poem into a song. That'd be cool. Wow, and, I, and, I, and we can debut it on the Robert Scott Bell Show. That's right. That would be That'd awesome. Be cool. It might be mm-hmm. almost as popular as Copacabana was, right? <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to be a Patreon member oh, uh, to know that one. That's still but up. It's embarrassing. It is. Yeah. Okay, and so here's the last one. Here it says. I wonder if it would be possible to have a list of RSB guests that are practitioners who offer consulting via Zoom or phone. When I hear these guests, I think, if I ever need that, I'll call that person. Of course, I'll never remember that when the time comes. Maybe a list under the more tab. If not, then maybe a list somewhere for your patron uh, supporters. So a list of practitioners who offer consulting via Zoom or phone. That's not a bad idea. I agree. Um, it's kind of like the idea we had of the marketplace for RSB people and stuff, which is a great idea, but you know. Yeah. Well, maybe if we <laughs> if we attend the the master class on business that we had, you know. Yeah. Today. That, yeah, I'm intrigued. Um, yeah. Spend an hour to learn a little bit. That's not a bad use of time. I'm intrigued by that because Chrissy Chin's got us know an opportunity there you know if you've already got a if you already got a business then who doesn't want to try and learn how to how to be more efficient and streamline their business Mm -hmm. 
and have more time, right? Exactly. That's more or less what we do. We sort of kind of have our own business in a way, right? So yeah. it's like, uh, you know. Um, and then, you know, the other thing I was thinking about when you guys were talking mm-hmm. was, you know, that during the whole COVID thing, there were a lot of situations where, you know, people were put, they were given ultimatums yeah. at their jobs. You know, you need to get the shot or else, or or else. you got to yeah. wear a mask or else. And the idea of, of being able to do your own thing and not have to follow anybody's rules, but your own mm-hmm. uh, is very appealing. And that's something kind of what I do and, and what you do and, it, it there's upsides and downsides, but it sounds like the downsides might be something that can be weathered what would you or, say? or assisted and, 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 with this information that Christian Chin has. So yeah, made better. Yeah. So if I've you got the, the banner hour, in the website and yeah. I'll send the email out tomorrow. Yeah. If you, if you missed the first hour, we talked about but a different topic for us, but you know, this opportunity came across our, our whatever. And we looked at it and we're like, you know what? That would be of good service to our community. If we can learn how to do something better to support our families better economically, be, you know, more efficient, be able to hang out with our families more. I mean, those are good things. And I think they fit well within the realm of what I try to do on this show. So not a one only narrow focus of just one kind of healing. And as I talk about economic healing as well. So that was good. That was good. It was good to see Scott. Dude, he's come a long way since the first interview we did with him. Yes, he has. He definitely has. Okay. That guy's, it's just the, the number of interviews that I, that he, he, every once in a while he'll, he'll mention, you know, like, yeah, I did nine interviews yesterday. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's like we were talking about, um, before the show, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's his daughter, you know, the hospital killed his daughter. Yeah. You know, I mean, that would motivate any father. Um, you know, to, to do something about it. And he's, he's definitely found, uh, his lane, you know, mm-hmm. um, on, on how to honor her and, and do something to make sure that that doesn't happen to other people. Cause the story is crazy. It's crazy. You know, it, and here's the thing, Robert, uh, you know, back in the day when we were covering medical kidnapping, mm-hmm. that was, that was horrendous, you know, not only to find out, you know, to hear the story of Christina Pelletier, who was the one that basically kind of started uh, the whole thing with people, at least people being aware because it got national coverage. And so to hear the story about what happened with Christina Pelletier, uh, it, it was, you, you listen to the details and you're like, they, they did that? What? You can't do that. Yeah, And then that opened up uh, just a can of worms because suddenly you started hearing stories of all these other people where it was happening to them too. And suddenly, you know, you realize it's all happening all around you, but you had no idea that this was happening. And this situation with, with Grace and this story about what happened to her, I had the same experience. Because, you know, I heard what happened and how they, you know, they, they, basically, they basically killed her. You know, in, in more ways than one, you know, I mean, they, it's, they tried one way and when that didn't work, they tried another way and eventually she, they ended up killing her. And it was, it was crazy, the stuff that they did. And now to find out that this is not something new, this is something that's going on all the time. Right. And it's happening to, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but 
you know, it's something that's happening. And we know people that, that you know, a death by, pro- by protocol, right? In the hospitals. This stuff happens. And Scott has done just, just this amazing job of digging into, like, documents and laws and things. This, this, the, the thing that he was talking about with the Obamacare stuff mm-hmm. where, you know, it's like it's, it's in black and white where there's just like, yeah. They're just like, yeah, you know, if you don't do this and you don't qualify and whatever like that, and you know, yeah, we, we, you can just die, you know, it's like, we'll kill you. I just had uh, a new Twitter follower send a, a link, an article that I'm familiar with. I think we might have even talked about it some time ago. And it was, uh, let me just see if I can get this over to you real quick. I was going to reply to it. Copy that, stand by, um, save it. Okay, I'll save it. Uh, this is a story, an article by uh, Jake Chesham that appeared in, uh, what was the, it was in The Atlantic in 2014, 2014. Why I hope to die at 75. Why I hope to die at 75. This is the article here copying. Now, and I don't know why this person sent it. I was going to ask the question as to why, but um, is it to motivate people to end life earlier? I, again, I don't know the motivation, but I remember this guy's article arguing that, hey, 75 is enough time. Like for you, buddy, what if somebody, you know, is enjoying their life at 75 and 85 and 95? Like, who are you to say? Well, it's good for you. It should be applied everywhere to everyone like that. Uh, but I remember reading that. <laughs> wow, this is real? Yes. Yeah. Why I hope to die at 75, an argument that society and families and you mm-hmm. will be better off if nature takes its course swiftly and promptly. Yeah, of course, by nature. By Ezekiel, Ezekiel Emanuel. Yeah, by nature. Taking oh, look, course. this is from 2014. Yeah, that's what I said, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, it, again, I remember seeing this article years ago, and we might have even covered it, Super D. You don't remember it, but it was like, holy crap, this guy's arguing, uh-huh. I think, for uh, euthanasia for old people. But the idea that it could be applied to those with disabilities, Down syndrome, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. I just don't know the reason, because he said, hey, why don't you send this to Scott Shara? Since he was just on the show, I, I'm going to ask him why he sent that. I don't know. And if you're listening to the show, you can maybe tweet again and let me know what your thought is behind that. Because I think the article is, uh, you know, look, if that's the way that guy feels. Here's my I question. Do, How old is Ezekiel? Is Ezekiel Emanuel? At this point, I don't know. Written what? <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Ezekiel. How do you spell Ezekiel? Ezekiel Emanuel. Mm-hmm. All right. He's a medical doctor. He is currently, oh, he's only 65. So I guess 10 years from now. Yeah. Maybe we'll check in. We again. can knock on his door. Hey, uh, excuse me, Mr. Emanuel. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of flowers do you it, like? It does, you know what it reminds me of? You remember the science fiction uh, movie Logan's Run? Yeah. Boy, where that's he, an oldie, but yeah. yeah. Where, where and I, I think it was based on a book, a you know, science fiction book, but um you know you were supposed to go to i don't know it was sanctuary something like this you had this lottery and they would you know tell you you were going to be transposed into something else immortal whatever and it turned out it was a machine to kill people at a certain age like because they lived under a dome and they had to keep population down on and on but again a science fiction dystopian novel made into a movie and you know these eugenicists really believe in what they're saying about eliminating life but they never really volunteer. Now, this guy's proclaiming he'll volunteer at 75, but you're right. We'll have to visit it in 10 years and see what he thinks then. 
He is a bioethicist, apparently, huh? Yeah. Current vice provost for global initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania and chair of the Department of Medical Ethics and Health Policy. Yeah, and medical ethics, in most cases, oxymoron. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see what happens in uh, uh, 10 years. Yep. Hey, I got to talk to Susie because we've got little detailed plans for the... uh, Nashville, Tennessee events with the Warners. I hope we got the Warners scheduled between now and, and next week. I know we had uh, Shane and Liz Watt to promote the uh, Be Healthy Utah event uh, coming up. So I just got to get on the phone with her after the show now. We're almost a half hour. Well, we're a half hour in the bonus round here, which has been fun. Good stuff. And Lorelai brought it, man. That was great. What Lorelai brought. That was good. That yeah. was good. Well, let's see. Tomorrow is Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We've got Kenny Maurer in hour one. Maybe Ty Bollinger in hour two. You never know. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Emord in hour one on Thursday mm-hmm. and David Waddell. Oh, we're going to talk about Q streaming, that uh, service that can okay. unplug you there from you go. cable. Oh, cool. Yeah. That'll be a little bit of a different um, topic. Yeah. Topic. Um, They're supporting a lot of churches, a lot of foundations and things. And you guys could support us if you want to unplug your cable bill and, and plug into that and watch more than you can ever have hope to watch. Yes, sure. Uh, Friday, um, I will be live, planning to be live from the Be Healthy Utah event, but I'm just holding out that I might have to record earlier that day just in case I'm too busy, but I don't think so. I think I can be live at Be Healthy Utah, and I think we have one guest remotely plugging in, Ginger Taylor. Yeah, it um, looks like another one got booked here. Oh, Daniel also? Wow, I, I don't have much local to do then if that's the case. No. You could always, I guess you could always record that for Sunday, right? Yeah, that's true. So uh, that is what we have. So as far as the Warners go, I don't, I don't see anything yet. Well, they should be on the calendar between now and next week. So yeah. All right. We'll talk to Kevin. Okay. And oh, by the way, we've got a Cardio Miracle webinar uh, on the twenty fifth. What day is that? The day after the AMA. Yes. Okay, the AMA is the 24th, the Monday 24th, evening. So Tuesday, 25th. Tuesday, 25th will be the Cardio Miracle webinar. And is Kevin Jenkins going to join us as well as John Hewlett? Yes. All right, that'll be fun. Yes. Whole, yeah, I love Kevin. We There's one fun. other thing it looks like, though, on that day. Do you see that? Some. Uh, P- what is that? PLDST. Uh, it's not at the same time, though, right? It's, it's a Zoom meeting. Well, it's an hour. After that? After, yeah. Well, I'll have to join that in progress afterward. Okay. So anyway, yeah, Cardio Miracle webinar with uh, Kevin Jenkins and John Hewlett. Okay. So that'll be fun. Sounds great. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for being here. Susie, if you're still watching, call me or I'll call you right after the show, and we'll catch up on the Nashville event, which is coming up faster than you can imagine, right after the Utah event. And there's lots more upcoming events. And in the meantime, y'all, get on the Folium products. The three-pronged approach here that is the supercharged antioxidant of all antioxidants here. FoliumPX.com, RSB10 to get discount there. And shout out to our friends at Nutritional Frontiers as well as Trinity School of Natural Health. Great stuff happening. And I'm grateful to be just a conduit for a lot of great information. And good, good, really good guest today. Of course, it was great having Scott Shara uh, back on the show today and to talk a little business with Chrissy Chin, and all of those links are in the show notes as well. The 18th, I can't believe it's the 18th already, is it? 
18th yep, of it April, is. 2023. So thank you for being here. God willing, we'll be back less than 22 hours from now with another session of broadcast healing like nowhere else in media. See you tomorrow.